before we start today's episode, let me tell you about our sponsor, Plum. Plum is a money management app that lets you invest, save money, and even save on your energy bills. I've been using Plum over the last few weeks. I've rounded up and invested my spare change each week, and currently I split 90% between two of the funds, Clean and Green and Tech Giants, and the last 10% goes into a savings pocket. One nice little feature I wasn't expecting is the daily reminder of your current bank balance. That's actually something my banking app itself doesn't do, so I thought that was particularly handy. As we said before, we don't endorse products and services we don't use ourselves. So if you'd like to support us here at Sequelizers and join me and one million other Plum users in the UK on our investment journey, click on the link in our show notes to sign up and get started with Plum today. As always, your capital is at risk and the value of your investments can fluctuate. Thank you to Plum for sponsoring us. And now let's start this week's episode. everybody and welcome back to season nine of sequelizers i am your host as always jack chambers and joining me also as always it's matt stogden so here's your options door number one you go to prison for a very long time door number two you sequelize this movie and you still go to prison for a very long time but you feel better inside is, is there a door number three where I don't have to go to prison and yeah. sequelize this movie? But the Declaration of Independence is behind it, so you can't go through it. <laughs> we know what you're going to do with it. I choose door number three. And no! I, and I dive into the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. And joining Matthew and me, as always, it's Tim Matum. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you one of the missing pages of the diary of Jack Chambers. <laughs> <laughs> Little did you know that the W in JLW Chambers stands for Wilkes Booth. <laughs> 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 Jack Lawrence Wills Booth Chambers. Yeah. How absurd. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, I think some people might have picked up on what we're doing already from those teasers. They're, they're, they're sneaky, but not too sneaky, I think. We are, in fact, this week fixing National Treasure 2 Book of Secrets. Because that's a terrible fucking title. <laughs> Yeah, before we get to fixing National Treasure and talking about National Treasure 1, National Treasure 2, and getting into all the details, let's say thank you very much to the lovely people on patreon.com slash sequelizers, shall we, gentlemen? Yeah, right. Thanks, thanks for confirmation, Matt. I appreciate that. If you'd like to go to patreon.com slash sequelizers, you can get these episodes ad-free, you can get early access to them, you get discounts on merch, you get exclusive merch, you get outtakes, such as the ones we've just recorded where we do two different little mini National Treasure slash Nicolas Cage quizzes mm. exclusively and behind the scenes of Super Happy Kill Time sort of as well. It's about a lot about CGI and prop making and yeah. all that stuff. It span off into like a mini little episode discussion. It, it was del- it, it, did. It, it was It's extra content that you can get by joining us on Patreon. And uh, it's a thing that's happening with every episode this season and will continue to happen. So you get bonus extra outtakes and... It's not just the little bits, the little fuck-ups and fluffs and us getting our lines wrong, although they are in there because they're still funny. We do actually record extra stuff specifically, like I said, quizzes and funny little extra bits and just general chat and stuff. So you're getting extra kind of sequelizers content on top of that. And then when we're back to interseason stuff, we do exclusive episodes just for the patrons as well. If you go up to the highest of the tiers, you can become an executive producer. You can get a shout-out on the show. 
And if you go to the very highest of the tiers, you can even pick an episode for us to fix, pick an interseason episode, continue supporting us at the highest of tiers. Yeah. Just like these wonderful executive producers have done. Andy Steen. I'm not going to let you steal the Declaration of Independence. Jonathan Firth Clark. He's going to steal the Declaration of Independence, Ben. Xenos. Is it really so hard to believe that someone's going to try to steal the Declaration of Independence? Yeah. Michael Belcher. Someone's going to steal the Declaration of Independence. Josh van der Sluis. They assured us that the Declaration cannot possibly be stolen. Josh Miles. I'm going to steal it. I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. And Mike Salvia. Fact is, the only way to protect the Declaration is to steal it. So, interestingly, we talked about this on the outtakes. This is the first Nicolas Cage movie we're talking about on sequences. Yeah. For such a kind of iconic, famous actor, and specifically as, for those who haven't heard the outtakes, because they're not out yet at the time of release, <laughs> Tim specifically said, He's known for doing bad movies as well. Like yeah. he, he's prime sequelizers material, you would think. Yeah. But he's also not known for doing sequels. So it's this weird kind of crossover where you finally found something, finally found an excuse to talk about Mr. Cop. I mean, Mr. Cage. And yeah, I'm, ex I'm almost more excited to talk about Nicolas Cage than I am these movies. Does that make <laughs> sense? Because to go straight into the, our history with this franchise, as we often do on the show. Yeah. I don't really have much of a history. I watched the first one probably 10 years ago on DVD, and then I watched the second one this morning because <laughs> I thought I'd seen the second one. Turns out I hadn't. I just kind of amalgamated it with all the kind of similar adventure kind of stuff that was happening at the time. You're Indiana Joneses going into video games like Uncharted with the, the Tomb Raider movies, all the Tomb Raider games, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, I mean, it's all the... Da Vinci Code, all that bollocks. Like, yeah, I've definitely seen that. Have I seen this? I've definitely 100% seen the first one. I, I can like quote lines from the first one. I've seen it a few times. I haven't seen the second one. Shit. We're recording in a matter of hours. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go and watch that right now. So yeah, my, my history spans back about a decade up until about four or five hours ago. So yeah, not, not much of a kind of personal tie or history uh, with me. Tim, how about you? I didn't see either of these in the cinema. I weirdly saw them a while back. I was working an office job and was talking to someone about films. And I can't remember why, but they, they mentioned the National Treasure films. And I was like, oh, I've never seen those. And they were a really big fan of them. They were like, oh, they're great. You should see them. I Interesting. Like, I was like, yeah, okay. I'll see them eventually. And then like two days later, they showed up with pirate DVDs of them for me. <laughs> and I was like, Fair enough. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so that's, and I believe I still have those discs knocking around somewhere. <laughs> so that's how I saw both of the National Treasures. So I think I watched them like pretty much back to back when I got those. I was like, yeah, I'll stick these on. Yeah, it's fine. Haven't really thought about them much since and then went back and rewatched them for this. And yeah, the first one is fine, is good, is decent entertainment. There's some weird Nicolas Cage moments as, as the, he's in every film that he's in. You know, it's perfectly functional. And then the second one is a lot sloppier. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Matt? My history with National Treasure movies is actually really... Uh, Erotic? Kind of. Tense? Yes. Sexual tension? No. I was in America at the time. Oh my God, here we go. I was going with my then girlfriend to a gig, I guess. I don't remember who the fuck it was to see. But I didn't want to go. And I was like, mm. and I had a fucking panic attack. 
And I was like, I can't, I'm not, I don't, I don't, I don't want to go in there. Because the thing is when, it sounds like, okay, here's a silly thing to say. When you have a certain familiar tone of like, uh, or familiarity to something that is a safe environment, you look for certain things. So in other words, for British people in certain places, they live in a city or a town, you're like, oh, this area is safe. This area is fine, whatever. In America, everything's a question mark. And I'm like, I don't fucking know if this is. And so I'm like, oh yeah, there are go guns and... everywhere. I don't know. Exactly. And so it's like <laughs> we're going to this like fucking hole in the wall, toilet sex looking fucking piece of shit club. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't want, I don't want to go in there. It's like, why not? It's like, I don't. This building looks like something. If I saw it in London, I'd burn it to the fucking ground. It's like oh, it's just a building. It's like I don't give a fuck. I'm not going in there. And I, I freaked out. And I was like, no, I don't want to do it. Um, it was probably just very normal. It was fucking Oregon. But at the same time. I've seen green room, so I'm definitely not. <laughs> I was probably right, but in the end, we said we said fine. We want to do this. wasn't just me, by the way. This was me and her, and like two of her friends, and I made a big fucking scene. Like, no. What do you want to do? It's like, I don't know what I want to do. I just don't. I'm just having a. I didn't know at the time. I was like having a fucking panic. I was like, I'm just. I'm not great right now. I just need to not do this, please. If you don't mind. She was like making a fucking fuss. Like, oh, Whatever, Matt. God, she's American, by the way. Luke. Yes, yeah, she was. And um, <laughs> just to clarify. <laughs> Still alive, as far as we know. I don't give a shit. Um, so, yeah, basically we went to the cinema and saw National Treasure, and it calmed me down a lot. So I have a lot of really positive <laughs> it's your, memories. It's your safe space. It kind of oh, is a no. little bit. I watched this film, and they were like, that was stupid. I was like, yeah, it was. Thank you, fucking country. <laughs> <laughs> that building was dangerous. No, I, I, I genuinely really enjoyed it, and I still enjoy it to this day, because it's so dumb. It's so nonsense. It and, really is, yeah. But it's very wholeheartedly innocent, except on reviewing, I was like, Wow, Cage is really hostile to uh, everyone. Well, Kruger specifically, like, yeah. shut up. God, she doesn't know to shut up. He is to Riley as well. Uh, Riley's like, a piece of shit. Is to, to Abigail and Riley. Like, Riley is a dickhead to Ben, yes. yeah, the main character, as we said, Benjamin Franklin Gates. We'll give us an opposite soon, don't worry. We'll go through that. Yeah, we'll get into that. But yeah, they're all kind of dickheads to each other. And then poor yeah. Abigail, played by Diane Kruger, as you said, is just kind of stuck there being like, I'm I'm the good person, like the moral yeah. compass that you're all just shitting on. Like, Very much time. mid-2000s, God, a woman in my field. Well, yeah, I guess yeah. she knows something, or maybe she doesn't. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? She holds it's, a position of prominence, and you're a fucking crackpot. It's also that kind of like mid-2000s to kind of we're just starting to move beyond it a little bit, I think, but mm. it's still around a lot, where it's like, ah, oh, if we, we, we wanna we can't just have like the romance, the romantic interests like like each other. They've got to like oh. snip at each other and snipe and 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 get under each other's skin because it'll be like an old screwball comedy kind yeah. of thing. Like and it's you like, know they yeah, like but, each other because yeah. they hate each other. So, and, well, that's toxic. Like, yeah, but if you haven't put in the fucking effort to write it well and yeah, yeah, and and there's a lot of horrible misogynistic like yeah stuff underneath that as well. And yeah, it just um. You just end up with two people who you're you sit there going like, why would these two people get together? Yeah. They both really... like history and dick measuring. And, yeah. and not to get too far ahead of ourselves, we will get to the synopsis, folks. Don't worry. Mm. But that final moment where Riley goes like, well, what are you complaining about? You gave away your ten percent and gave it to all the people and blah blah blah. Plus, you got the girl. And then Nicolas Cage goes, oh yeah, I did. And they have a big old kiss for no reason. Mm. You're like. Did you just confirm that you're going out just now? Like you're doing this literally for the audience. Mm, all, th all three of the people there know you're together. So know, why weird. you like? It's such a weird like. Get out of here, Riley! I'm gonna have some good times. Like, okay. It's Ugh. so it's Ugh. so needless. It's a completely you could exercise by the, a child. the yeah the rom <laughs> the romantic subplot from this, and it would 
it would imp- only improve the film, especially yes. in the second one. I would love to see this where Abigail, the character played by Dan Kruger, is a man. And mm. they had the same animosity, but right then, and besides, you got that boy. Oh yeah, I did. <laughs> he just starts tonguing him. He's like, holy fuck. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I, I, so National Treasure 1, enjoyed it. Still very fondly think of it and watch it and things. Uh, National Treasure 2, didn't like it as much. I, did as you a, see two at the cinema as well? I saw two at the cinema. Of course you did. And uh, I was excited for it. I thought this would be quite fun. And it's a lighthearted nonsense romp again. It has a lot of that same stuff going for it. Unfortunately, all the problems I have with the first one appear in the second. I'm like, oh, here yeah. Yeah, it, it kind of exacerbates a lot of the problems with the first yeah. one, doesn't it? So, the, the, yeah. the, the, the biggest, we'll come to this later, the biggest flaw for me was the whole Abigail Ben dynamic. Yep. Mm, yep. It's one of my biggest problems so with it, much. for sure. S- similarly, oddly enough, to a, a similar kind of pulpy kind of thing when we talked about the mummy and then going over to the mummy oh, returns yeah. where you go with those you know the central two romantic interest performances and then you introduce alex as their kid you're like oh god this just mm. kind of yeah. ruins and, the dynamic of those two yeah. and yet the mummy does it the mummy returns does it right in one regard which is the the couple in it are just still like madly in love and absolutely yes yeah whereas Entirely. in this they're like oh we we can't have them be a, in a relationship in the second film because where's the tension let's just ha- let's break them up and then they've got to bicker and get back together it's yeah. like no because that's just that's more people just being unlikable at each yeah. other yeah and, it, and to to have them break up you've got like you, you just have nicholas cage being an asshole about it yeah, yeah there are a few things that annoy me more than Couples that settle at the end of a thing, exactly like they do mm. in the first movie, where it's like, mm. you got the girl and the kiss and stuff. Mm. Yep, they're confirmed a couple now. Here's your reward for being a good historian. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. Here's your trophy, man. Like, there you go. And then they break up in between projects. Yeah. Like, oh, they come back for the TV series, but now he's with a different woman. Or the sequel's back, and now they're bickering, and they're, oh, they, they split up six weeks ago off screen. You're like, fuck's sake. Mm-hmm. If you're going to do that, have that as part of the story and introduce that as an integral part of the story and do it well, or don't bother and do a mummy returns and have them continue to be a couple and use that to build on something else. Yes, entirely. Yeah. But this does like somewhere in the middle where they're like sort of on their like the the thinnest of threads of this relationship remaining, and you're like, just just fucking give up. Like you met like a couple of years ago. This isn't. Yeah. They introduced Ty Burrell as well, but yeah. we're getting way ahead of ourselves. Yes. We are, um, we are. Let's, let's, let's talk about the movies in terms of content and settle the fuck down, listeners. Much like a heist episode, there is a lot to cover. <laughs> so let's, yeah, we'll, we'll do the synopsis and then we'll start breaking them down. I and think that's fair, yeah. Saying what's wrong so with So when them. we say certain things, people go, oh, I see. Yeah. Hopefully. We'll start here with National Treasure from 2004. In 1974, a young Benjamin Franklin Gates... <laughs> yes, that is his name. Explores his grandfather's attic, finding a book. His grandfather John, played by Christopher Plummer, yeah, the like Christopher Plummer. I'm saying this for the Plummer. tone that people know what I'm talking about, but it's the outtakes. But never mind. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about Christopher Plummer in the outtakes. He's fantastic. We love yeah. Plummer. Yeah. His grandfather John tells him the story behind it, relating how a fabled treasure was passed down through the ages. The treasure was guarded by the Knights Templar and the Freemasons, who believed it was too large for one man to control. So going into this. I said I watched this probably ten years ago. That was around about, if I'm not mistaken, Assassin's Creed and Assassin's Creed Two kind of like little before that. Era is a little before 2007, that. Two thousand seven. I said I saw this ten years ago, so probably two thousand eleven. Oh, is what sorry, I'm saying. yes, so that's exactly. I, I had I, guess, I had yes. played Assassin's Creed One by the time I'd seen this, yeah. and I was like, oh, so cool. Knights Templar are the bad guys, right? Like, <laughs> you want to become a knight? And I was like, no, don't do that. They're evil. <laughs> no, 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 no. What are you doing? I'm like, oh. 
Okay, I guess we're on the night. Okay, yep, yeah, yeah. We'll see where this is going. Lot, not a lot of critical view of history in these no. films. After being discovered during the Crusades, the treasure was moved around until it made its way to America, where in 1832, Charles Carroll, the last surviving signatory of the Declaration of Independence, passed on a clue to one of Gates's ancestors before dying. The secret lies with Charlotte. While Ben is convinced by the story, his sceptical father, Patrick, played by John Voight in a terrible hairpiece. Oh, God, John yeah. Voight, who is only nine years younger than Christopher Plummer. <laughs> Classic. And, what, not that much older than Nicolas Cage in the case as well, probably. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, yeah his sceptical father, Patrick, dismisses it as nonsense. Thirty years later, Ben leads an expedition with his friend Riley Poole, a computer expert, and financier Ian Howe. To Played by Sean Bean. Sean Bean. Friend was a very, very strong time. Are they friends at the beginning? I don't yeah. Know, so friends. They're kind of like Riley and Ben are like literally the sort of like a bully and his lackey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to find the Charlotte, a ship lost in the Arctic, which holds the first clue to finding the treasure. They find a Meerschaum pipe which has a clue implying the next is on the Declaration of Independence. When Ian suggests they steal it, a fight ensues. Ian and his men leave Ben and Riley to die, but they escape and return to the US. So listeners, Tim's doing a great job here. Strap in, as Matt said earlier, because the fact that he said, we found a clue that needs to another clue on the back of the Declaration of Independence, get used to that sentence. Yeah. That is the, the thing entire franchise. points them to the next thing. Yeah. And the thing is on a thing that they already have, but they haven't looked at it yet. So then they look at the thing they already have and it's like, oh my God, we had the thing all along. If you turn it upside down, it's actually a key to the thing. They're Rise of skywalker it. And just being <laughs> like, because Rise of Skywalking is referencing all of the fucking pulp stuff, yes. but this is based on yes. more directly. So it's like, yeah. I, I, spoilers for later, I wrote the pitch for this one and I wrote a joke in. I didn't realize until last night when I took it out again. Oh, no, no, something like, oh, sorry, no, I uploaded it. And I was like, I had a joke where I was like, ah, the statue's penis is pointing the way to the next clue. <laughs> of course. And I was like, oh, wait, hang on. That was a joke for me. Take that out. <laughs> ben and Riley report the potential theft of the declaration to the FBI and meet with Dr. Abigail Chase, an expert at the National Archives. But Abigail dismisses their claim. This is where Diane Kruger comes in. Yep. Fantastic yes, performance. Yes. Ben decides to steal the document for himself from the archives during a gala event. I need to steal it to protect it from, from him. From Ian. I don't, I don't know if you... I don't dirty know if British hands. <laughs> <laughs> it had to be British because, you know... Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Keeping independent from Sean Bean, a northerner. <laughs> Obtaining Abigail's fingerprints, Ben successfully obtains the declaration but is spotted by Ian's group just as they also break in to steal it. Ben tries to leave via the gift shop, but has to buy the declaration when the clerk mistakes it for a souvenir copy. That is, that is quite a funny scene. It is very yeah. fair. Yeah. 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 Abigail, suspecting something is astray, pursues Ben and takes back the document. Ian kidnaps her, but Ben and Riley rescue Abigail, tricking Ian by leaving behind a purchased copy of the declaration. Classic, two. classic switcheroo, right? Yeah. yeah. That's also a lot of events summarized very quickly uh -huh. because. Yeah, dun dun bum dun dun bum dun bum bum, and they're like, okay, now the car. Oh god, now you're here. Oh, da 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 da. You doing the Metal Gear Solid? Yeah, music. same sort of sound. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor yeah. and the score, and uh, you know, we did the, the the film version because yeah, the enemy of the state guy. Yes. Yeah. Point is that yes, it's that kind of sound to it. Yeah. Meanwhile, FBI agent Sadusky begins tracking Ben down. Harvey yep. Keitel. That's Harvey Keitel showing yep. up yep. for like ten minutes in each yeah, film. Yeah, he's yep. he's in like a minute here. Yeah. Then two minutes later on. And then three minutes at the end. Like, yeah. Second billing, please. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'll be fucking <laughs> Yeah. 
Uh, going to Ben's father's house, the trio study the declaration and discover a cipher written in invisible ink. The message refers to the Silence Do Good letters written by Benjamin Franklin. Now wanted by the authorities, Ben, Riley and Abigail head to the Franklin Institute and discover a message pointing to the bell tower of Independence Hall, but Ian continues to track them. In Philadelphia, they find a pair of glasses with multiple coloured lenses, which, when used to read the back of the declaration, reveal a clue pointing to Trinity Church in New York. They're basically those fucking 3D glasses, where it's like, yeah. <laughs> it filters green, filters blue, yeah. filters red. Like, yeah, and like red. a less cool pair of the um, goblin glasses from Hellboy 2. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah they're yeah. way cooler. Yeah. They're kind of steampunky, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. As you can tell in this, is a lot of like, let's go to this American landmark now. Let's go to this American Yeah, this landmark. entire film... The fact, I think, and we'll get into this later on, we're talking about the mm. franchise as a whole, but the fact that the entire thing is set, like, in the American East Coast, basically, yeah. just up and, up and down the east of America, yeah. it's like, yeah, cool. All these really famous landmarks that nobody outside of America knows where they are or what they do or why they're yeah. there. Yep. Never dwells on the, like, three-hour car journey before them going back and forth. <laughs> oh, God, could you imagine? Yeah. Christ. The group are chased by Ian's associates and Ben is arrested by the FBI while Abigail and Riley lose the declaration to Ian. However, Abigail convinces Ian to help them rescue Ben in exchange for the next clue. Ian agrees, arranging a meeting at the USS Intrepid where they help Ben evade the FBI. Why is he suddenly like, yeah, cool, let's go and meet on the USS Intrepid? Like, yeah. Okay. Because it's post 9 11. Yeah. Seriously, yeah. It's just yeah. America. Like, yeah. Just go and Got meet it. at a bar somewhere. Like, <laughs> but then, he, then he wouldn't jump in the river. That's exactly God, it. On, yeah. You need, you, it's like they had all these escape plans and were like, so he needs to jump in a river. Because he's got diving. We specifically mentioned he has diving, navy yeah. diving experience. Yes. So he needs to do the like he does the tuck thing, like the professional yeah. diver tuck tombstoning, thing, the in. tombstoning in thing. Yeah. <laughs> so we need to make him dive somewhere. Like, well, do you want the Intrepid? Right. It's like brilliant. Yeah, iconic he, American he, landmark. He yeah. Dive off sense. of the crown of the Statue of Liberty. No, you wouldn't get to the water from there. <laughs> <laughs> dive. Oh, he yeah, does. He's about- Somehow, you <laughs> dive through the Liberty Bell. No, that doesn't work. <laughs> through the Dunkin' like big donut thing. Just like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they do it and move the sequel over to LA, and there's just no historical landmarks whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. To yeah. the time that we. Ca- oh no, that's pretty quiet. That's Ian returns the declaration and asks for the next clue, but when Ben refuses, Ian reveals he has kidnapped Patrick, that's Ben's dad, as a hostage. They travel to the Trinity Church where they find an underground passage, but it appears to lead to a dead end lit by a lone lantern. At gunpoint... Great meltdown scene, like, nothing here! I was like, oh no. This is all for nothing. I hope this film ends it. (laughs) And then they died alone and hungry in a cave. Proper treasure conspiracy people, ultimately that it went nowhere. At gunpoint, Patrick claims that it's a reference to the midnight ride of Paul Revere, pointing Ian to the Old North Church in Boston. Ian leaves the gates trapped in the chamber, heading for Boston. However, then Patrick reveals the clue was a fake. Weren't there two lanterns? Oh, my God. They find a notch which the Meerschaum pipe from the very beginning fits into. Wow, what a coincidence. Good thing you kept that. Yeah. 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 They break the fucker at the start of it. Yeah. Uh, Opening a large chamber containing the treasure with a staircase that leads to above ground. Oh, thank God. Stairs. The worst Riley's fucking line is terrible. Ben contacts Sadusky, who is secretly a Freemason dedicated to protecting the treasure. (gasps) He's just like, well, yeah, you know, he's uh, 
donate it to the Smithsonian or something. Zoom in on his ring. Zoom in on his ring. <laughs> Imagining like <laughs> the, the poor cameraman, his cinematographer sat there like, yeah, yeah, cool. We're just shooting this Nicholas yeah. Cage, Harvey yeah, Keitel. Yeah, yeah. And the director's like, get the ring in the shot. Get, get, get away the, the ring. ring. Cut to the ring. What's on Close, it? Closer with the ring. Closer with the ring. Closer. <laughs> Closer. There we go. You need to you need to have ninety seconds of just Harvey Keitel's ring. Yeah, that's how just Bond to make sure. shot. Pretty that's, much, uh, yeah. placement. It's a bad lieutenant, isn't it? That's bad lieutenant. <laughs> <laughs> ben surrenders the declaration and the treasure's location in exchange for clemency. Ian is later arrested when Ben tips the FBI off. Later, Ben and Abigail have started a relationship for well, some reason. For some reason, Ugh. while Riley is somewhat upset that Ben has turned down the ten percent finder's fee for the treasure and accepted a much smaller amount that still netted them all significant wealth. Oh, I got like one percent, like like half a percent, like less than half a percent. Mm. I guess I'll drive off in my Ferrari and drive on the muddy, grassy bit of your, yeah. of your mansion. The gable. yeah, exactly, yeah. completely fuck fucking. Up. If you if you're a person who's never driven that kind of car and then suddenly just get it, he should be like literally fucking that car. Yeah, 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 exactly. Dun 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 dun. dun. <laughs> Stop doing the Metal Gear music, man. It's close enough. <laughs> I actually like the score. It's either that or the Pirates uh, of the oh, Caribbean yes. movie. Yes. Yes. Kind of halfway <laughs> between <laughs> the two. Yeah, exactly. Which, this was also, I think, this got a punch up by uh, who's it, Rossio and Elliot, the, so. the, yes. the writers. Indeed. Yep. Because um, mm. it's all Disney. Yeah, Disney, 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 Disney. Doing a Disney. I want to touch on Pirates of the Caribbean. Once we finish these synopses, I definitely want to touch on that and Mm. the franchise where it sits in Disney. Because, folks, it is a Disney film, by the way. This is a PG Disney adventure movie. Available on Disney Plus. Available on Disney Plus. Both movies are on Disney Plus. Used to be their bread and butter in the 60s and 70s with Mountain and all that kind of shit. Yeah, and with Pirates, that became their new thing. We will get to all of that. We will talk about the franchise and stuff. Tim, take it away with synopsis. Numero dos. So 2007's National Treasure, Book of Secrets. <laughs> Book of Shadows, right, guys? Same, same as Blair Witch. It's cursed. Don't read it. National Treasure, <laughs> Cradle of Life. Um, <laughs> on April 14th, 1865, two men approached Thomas Gates, an ancestor of Benjamin Franklin Gates, to decode a cipher in a diary. While he does so, one of the men leaves for Ford's theatre and is revealed to be John Wilkes Booth, what? Abraham Lincoln's assassin. Oh, my God. My Ooh. descendant, apparently, John Wilkes Booth. Yeah. Who? Uh, exactly. We're expected to know these very important things. We'll get to that yeah, for sure. I, I want to yeah. talk about that a lot. He he does his thing. <laughs> <laughs> the the famous thing happens. The famous History. thing happens. There yeah. we go. Yeah. He says the the stuff. And, we yeah. killed Daniel Day-Lewis. Great cameo by Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I so wish. He'd just been like, I'm in the costume anyway. I'll yeah. go and just be Abraham Lincoln somewhere else. <laughs> Uh, and they get get the guy from uh, Bill and Ted's excellent oh, adventure. Party on, dude! Party on, dude! <laughs> yeah. Uh, Thomas solves the puzzle, but realizes the men are members of the Knights of the Golden Circle, a Confederate spy organization, and a, fight... a sequel to Kingsman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a fight breaks out, and Thomas rips several pages from the diary and throws them in the fireplace, <gasps> but is shot in the oh, process. Man. The gunman retrieves only a page fragment while the dying Thomas passes on a clue to his son, who is Ben's great-grandfather. Get used to lots of Gateses and lots of ancestors. and American legacies. And yeah. your granddad I've got to protect my ancestor's legacy. Do you? Who is your uh, ancestor? Robert E. Lee. Oh, oh shit. And, and bear in mind, like, I was like, my great-great-grandfather. I'm like, cool, who was before that? Don't know, because my country didn't exist then. Like, exactly. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> 
Three years after the events of the first film, Ben Gates delivers a lecture on the story. Uh, on the story, the his basically great, recaps great the first film. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, well, rec- recaps the the Thomas. Uh, the yes. Thomas Gates. Yeah, sorry, yes, the yes. opening scene, not the previous film. Sorry. Yeah. The thing we've just seen the, gets talked about again. Yes, at a historical conference. Mitch Wilkinson, a mercenary and black market antiquities dealer, <laughs> played by Ed Harris. Oh, I'm going to say, Ed Harris is a great person to put opposite Nick Cage. Nick Cage, again, yeah. because he did it in The Rock. And I was like, so yeah, good. these two, yep. square them off again. Great. Yep. Chew all of the scenery, you crazy <laughs> bastards. <laughs> yeah. It's that line. I got one of them famous granddaddies too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, who the fuck doesn't in this country? Yeah. He reveals he has one of the missing pages of John Wilkes Booth's diary with Thomas Gates' name written on it. He claims that Thomas was not only a conspirator, but also the architect <gasps> of the Lincoln assassination. <gasps> Which ben- frustratingly we know from what we've seen already isn't the case. Yes, because we've seen it in flashback. Yeah. That would make much more sense that... So I'm, I'm fixing the film here, ladies. Sure, <laughs> sure. Don't have the opening scene open with him telling, with yeah. Ben telling the Gates version the of the revelation. story, yeah. and then have that reveal later on. Mm. That yeah. makes so much more sense. It's like the the Mars thing in John Carter that we talked yeah. about oh, way back yeah, in the end yeah, season. Yeah. Of like, you blew your load with Mars. Mm. We already know that he wasn't a Lincoln assassin because we've already fucking seen it. Yeah. Why would you do that? But we wrote this great scene where it reveals where you're, you're watching Fine, these two men, <laughs> and, it, and then you suddenly realise one's John Wilkes Booth. Literally mm. play it like an hour later into the film. It'll be, it'll be fine. <laughs> Sorry, Tim, do carry on. Uh, ben sets out to prove Thomas's innocence by finding a possible treasure that Thomas was protecting. I mean, he's dead. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, ben, who has broken up with Abigail, enli- uh. enlists the help of Riley, who has written uh. a book about their previous adventures, but has also lost all of his money he earned due to tax evasion. Uh. <laughs> Rightly so. If, if your accountant goes, hey, I'm going to store this all in offshore in an island that doesn't exist, and you go, okay, then yeah, you should have all your money taken away. Is, I, can't, I know that happened to Nicolas Cage in real life. Yeah. Was that before or after this before. movie? It was before. No, no, sorry, 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 sorry. The events happened after this film, I believe. Yes. You know, this film came out before those things happened. It, uh, yeah, I was wondering if it was like a subtle dig towards Cage directly being oh, like, yeah. don't do tax evasion or you'll lose your millions. Mm, and be like, nah. oh, I, wouldn't know any, I wouldn't know anything about that. I'm like, yeah, mm, yes, I'm sure you would, Nick. Yeah, sure. First editions of fucking Action Comics number one. Yeah. Uh, the pair visit Ben's old house where Abigail now lives to borrow her ID so they can analyse the page that Wilkinson gave them. She finds them and after arguing with Ben, decides to assist them. The page reveals a cipher which points to Edouard Laboulet, the man who came up with the idea for the Statue of Liberty. Ben and Riley travel to Paris where they, cert- where they find a clue engraved on the torch of the scale model of the Statue of Liberty. Referring to the two resolute desks. I hate that sentence, Tim. Not the fact that you've written it. They find something on a scale model. Not the actual Statue of Liberty. Just to just go and find a model in Paris from the guy who designed it. For fuck's sake. I mean, it's the, it's the, it's the actual Statue of Liberty that's in, in Paris. Yes, in yeah, Paris. yeah, 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 yeah. It's not just like they find it in a gift shop. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the desks is used by the President of the United States at the Oval Office in Washington. And the other is used by the Queen uh-huh. of the United Kingdom in Buckingham Palace in oh, London. Oh, no. <laughs> ben and Riley then head to London, because it's closer, to infiltrate the Queen's <laughs> private living quarters. This is you're, not, you're not wrong. We can confirm this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Abigail joins them, having followed them from the US. 
From the Queen's desk, Ben obtains an ancient wooden plank carved with Olmec pictograms. Meanwhile, Wilkinson has tracked Ben's movements and chases the group down, eventually obtaining the wooden plank, but not before Ben manages to photograph the symbols carved into it using a traffic camera. Isn't that like the first thing you would do is document the amazing treasures and clues that you're getting like these aren't scientists take, take a fucking photo I mean, is yes they she, are she is. he's got two degrees it doesn't mean he's any good at it he's got a mechanical engineering degree yeah, that's true he's a diver. <laughs> you um, a diver you may also notice uh dear listeners that this this little bit of like plot of like oh they find the thing but then the bad guys tracked him down and he steals the thing once they found it that's very similar to the first film yeah i think national treasure one of the things that ha- not has to but very much exists on the whole what does the first one do? Just do that again. Just do it again. No find the was... thing, find another again, thing. Trick the damn trick, brown trick page the turner. Guy. Just do the thing that I'm comfortable and familiar with. Yep. Otherwise, it's not a thing. Also, I would say, uh, we'll come back to this later. I'm going to spoil Tim's uh, synopsis here. But it's the whole, we glazed over quite quickly. They break into Buckingham Palace. Yes. Oh, and yeah. find the Queen's desk. And I'm like, that's like one of the most heavily, well, I know someone did break in in like the 80s, but it's like, yeah. that's a very heavily guarded building in this country. That's, that's, and they just go, oh, we got to walk to it. And it, how are we going to do it? Nicholas Cage is going to do a bit of a sort of like drunk impression in the, in the middle of a tour. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's, and it's like, it's fucking, the, it's I, the bit of Nicholas Cage goes absolutely wild. Oh yeah. Uh, yes. It always does. In, there's, there's one bit in every film. Yep. Um, oh, yes. I'm trying to remember what it is in the first one. Cause it's quite small. It's just like a specific line reading. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about, we'll get to Cage's we'll, performance yeah. as a whole in a sec because we, yeah, we yeah. have some yeah. problems. Okay. Any, so, where does he go next? Uh, ben contacts his mother, Dr. Emily Appleton Gates. Helen Mirren. Helen Mirren yeah. doing an American accent. Oh, yeah. Don't like that. I thought when I saw Helen Mirren in the cast, I was like, cool. I guess she's the queen then. Because <laughs> I read the synopsis <laughs> of like, go to the UK and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, yeah, funnily, funnily enough, she had been invited to Buckingham Palace. To meet the queen because she had played the queen in the That's film right. The Queen. Yes. The queen, the, the queen, the queen, the queen, the queen. In the not, film, the, not queen. the thing, the film, or the thing, the monster. <laughs> yeah. Not the thing, the monster, the or crow, the thing, the bird, 2001, the, the bird, yeah. the crow, the man. Yeah. The queen. So she'd been invited to Buckingham Palace, but she couldn't go because she was filming National Treasure Book of Secrets. <laughs> Take that, queen. Yeah. Oh, God. He need, uh, so he goes to her for help in translating the symbols. She does so, but points out that some of the glyphs are partial, leading Ben to conclude that another plank must be hidden in the other resolute desk in the White House. Of course. Why not? Ben and Abigail then sneak into the Oval Office. Naturally. Thanks to the White House curator who is trying to date Abigail. Yeah, oh, I hate that. And there's some really fucking terrible stupid I've light. lost my earring here look yeah. at my ass oh no yeah what? and then Nicolas Cage will look at you looking at my ass and get jealous yeah. and Ty Burrell's like oh I'm, I haven't been around a woman before yeah like, what the fuck is all this yeah. Disney Ben discovers that the second plank is missing but he finds a stamp bearing the seal of the president's secret book <laughs> I love the idea though that it's like uh, he opens the desk all he finds is a picture of Nixon and some tapes he goes I'm sorry I had to get rid of everything here Baru <laughs> Riley tells Ben that the so-called book of secrets contains documents collected for presidents by presidents and for presidents eyes only <laughs> fucking nonsense also you said the thing book of secrets there we yep. go yep. finally got yep. there yeah Covers such controversial subjects as the JFK assassination, Watergate, and Area 51. Naturally. Yeah. Ben then deduces that the only way to, to ask the president about the book alone is by kidnapping him. Ah! Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's how that works. No. I love the idea that that book does exist and Trump's read it and added a yeah. page. 
Just his signature. <laughs> well, I'm assuming you've seen the little gif of him riding in the thing, then spinning it around, and it's his lovely little drawing of a cat. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's his little doodle of a cat, and just be like, mm, I think people mm, said yeah, that about. I think business. someone said like, ah, oh, shit. There are no aliens. I said, what do you mean? Well, if there's like a book of secrets kind of thing, <laughs> yeah. they'd have told Trump and he definitely would have told everybody. <laughs> he would have yeah. just tweeted, yeah. I have seen the aliens. They're all completely real. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I met their leader and he's cool. He loved me. He, he said loved... I was the best. Yeah. So my ratings, the shows were so good. And uh, like, what the fuck you want? So I'm there's nothing. Alien Apprentice. Yeah. Sorry. So yeah, it's so, like how it's like tradition that every outgoing president like writes a letter to the new one. Yes, and I think oh, they released yeah. like Obama's one where it's like it's you know it's conciliatory and sort of like says you know oh you know even though we're very different you know Trio, right. here's, here's some things that you know you might find helpful and I'm like yeah I bet Trump's is just like I won fuck you scrawled yeah. on a thing and yeah please I'll be tune back. in to Apprentice season ninety five yeah. Best ratings in America. Thank you so much. Love, yeah. love Don. It doesn't matter. I'm not writing anything because I'm back at my desk with a couple of weeks anyway. Yeah. Ugh. Fucking bullshit. Anyway, Ben and pals rig the president's birthday party to be moved to Mount Vernon. <laughs> <laughs> and sneak in. Uh, he sneaks in as a guest, convincing the history buff president to follow him into a secret tunnel under the house where he asks him about the book. You're like... You like boats, Georgie? You like popcorn? Oh, oh. Just brings him down into the fucking sewer. I was like, Nicholas Cage, motherfucker! Where's your book? Oh Bikes God. his face off. That's a great idea. I'll put that in my sequel. An it crosser. Yeah. Yeah. The president, upon learning of Ben's cause, is sympathetic, but warns Ben that if he does not find the treasure, he will be charged with a federal offence. I feel like he should be anyway. As discussed in the first movie. He should, he should still go to prison anyway. But you feel better about it. We just we don't negotiate with terrorists, but we do negotiate with dudes who just break into Buckingham Palace. Yeah. And give you a reward. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the girl. But not too much of a reward. And you get a human female for your efforts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so gross. So <laughs> it's true. Ben convinces the president to reveal the location of the book, which is hidden at the Library of Congress, with the stipulation that he's not to tell anyone else about the information contained in the book. Because <laughs> it's by presidents, for presidents, and for president's, president's eyes, eyes only. Don't tell anyone. Oh, yeah. God. In the book, Ben finds a picture of the missing plank from the desk and an entry by President Coolidge, goddamn Coolidge, <laughs> who found the plank in 1924. Coolidge had it destroyed, goddamn Coolidge, um, and com- commissioned Gutzon Borglum, to Great name, Mount Rushmore, erasing the map's landmarks to protect the treasure. Which, and when you know how Mount Rushmore was made, is yeah. actually really awkward. <laughs> Desecrating a sacred site. Yeah. yeah. FBI agent Sadusky, hey, Harvey Keitel's back. For 90 mm-hmm. seconds. Yeah, yeah. tracks Ben to the library and the trio narrowly escape capture. Ben, Riley, Abigail and Patrick then travel to Mount Rushmore, where they meet Wilkinson, who has kidnapped Emily. Goddamn, parents always getting kidnapped. Oh, God. <laughs> the worst some presidents. <laughs> Wilkinson, finds, uh, Wilkinson helps them find the entrance of the cave containing the legendary Native American city of gold, Cibola. I'm pulling a face, mm, listeners. It's, yeah. a, ooh, it's yeah. a yikes face. You know, one of those faces. Yeah. Once inside, they encounter several booby traps and Ben, Riley, Abigail and Mitch get separated from Ben's parents. The end. The end. And then they all die. Fade to black. Starve to death down. <laughs> As the Native Americans intended. Yeah. You stole our land, motherfuckers. You'll die in this mountain. Just like Ben's parents. Yeah. <laughs> Dead now. Eventually, they reunite and find the city of solid gold underneath Mount Rushmore, and it begins flooding with water. 
To get out alive, one person must stay behind to hold open the door to the tunnel. After a struggle and Ben's attempt to sacrifice himself, Wilkinson, yes, that's right, that's the bad guy, ends up staying behind and asking Ben to give him joint credit for helping them to find the treasure. Dun, 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 Gates! <laughs> There's a lot of, I'm willing to work with you if you're okay with me doing this very specific thing with the treasure nonsense. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. doesn't work. Like, the FBI are just like, oh, that's fine. As long as you promise to give it to the Smithsonian and stuff. It's like, that's not how the law works. That's how it? America was founded. <laughs> well, yeah, true, true. We promised to give you all this stuff back, Native Americans. Everything will yeah. be fine. It's ours now. What do you mean it's yours now? It's been ours for thousands of... No, 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 no. We're Americans. <laughs> this is ours now. That's us. Oh, no, no, no. You're Indians. It's like, oh, what? Yeah. We're Native Americans. No, 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 no. Ben clears his family's name with the discovery and is cleared of all charges by the president. Magic. Nice. Yep. Ben also ensures Wilkinson receives joint credit for the find. At the end, the president mentions the favour he asked of Ben when he gave him the location of the book. Setting up for a sequel. That no. hasn't happened yet. Uh. Riley gets back his Ferrari from the president. Emily leads the excavation of Cibola, having reconciled with Patrick. We get to watch John Voigt and Helen Mirren go at it. Snoggin. Uh, and Ben and Abigail get back together because, of course, they do. Yay. Sure. We so all he, he gets the girl the end. twice. Yeah. Because that's how this franchise works. And yeah, let, let's touch on the the possible sequel. Bruckheimer, who, by the way, producer for... It's a very Bruckheimer It's film. a very Bruckheimer movie. He's apparently working on a third one, but has been working on a third one for about a decade. So it's in all sorts of production hell and mismanaging bollocks and all the kind of stuff you imagine from this sort of thing. So yeah, as you can kind of tell from the, the first one, it's a bit of nonsense, it's a bit of fun. But the second one just it just does everything more in a bad in a bad way. Everything is heightened in the sense that the action sequences are just as actiony, uh, the comedy is just as comedy, and the tension is just as tension. It's like yes, but not all those were good. Yes, exactly. No. You get everything, we, we more of everything, dialed up. But a lot of, like, but a lot of it was crap. Yes, more of everything. We put that too. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, something I want to touch on. I, I kind of teased earlier was the fact that we haven't got a third one, and the fact that people yeah. call this the franchise despite it being two movies there's not an animated series there's rumors of a disney plus series which is mm -hmm. possibly what brockheimer is working on all this kind of stuff but the reason for that apparently one of the big reasons for that is they couldn't get into the merchandising of this thing because disney, disney want to drive things with merchandise and pirates of the caribbean is obviously the thing that kind of pushed this kind of live action adventure thing into the 2000s and that whole kind of thing of like we'll just take a ride put a famous person in a film about the ride and it becomes the biggest thing in cinema. I'm like, yeah, mm. cool. Can you make a ride of National Treasure? And they're like, well, um, no. Like, can't do a it's, smart. The, it's the Hall of Presidents. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But literally there was conversations of like, how do we integrate this into the parks? And we're like, I don't know. It just doesn't really have like a distinctive kind of vibe to it. There's no like, yeah. can we reskin a re Indiana Jones thing that we've got? Seriously, yeah. Like, think, yeah. You, you try and do that kind of thing. It's like, it's just not as iconic as Indiana Jones. So you're just kind of like you're doing that, kind of copying it kind of thing. And then the same thing with like costumes and, and cos not cosplays, but like Halloween costumes and stuff. Yeah. You can dress up as Captain Jack Sparrow. Yes. And everybody fucking knows the dreadlocks, the mustache, the hat. Like, oh, yeah, it's an iconic kind of mm. piratey look. And everybody does like the, the wavy hand, the Johnny Depp mm. kind of wavy hand mm. thing and the mannerisms and stuff like 
dressed like Ben Gates, just just a bloke in his forties. Shirt and a jacket. Yeah, exactly. Even like, and I've touched on it already, like the Uncharted series. Talk about Nathan Drake, who's very derivative of the similar kind of stuff. It's pulpy adventure, Indiana mm. Jones inspired kind of bollocks. But it's still um, identifiable. He always wears that Henley like button down, long sleeve t shirty kind of thing, and like. Nathan Drake has like the the buff, the like sand thing, and the the scarf in the third one. Like he's got quite an iconic look to him. I couldn't describe anything that Ben Gates wears, and <laughs> you could come as Ben Gates to a Halloween thing, and I'd be like, honestly, mate, I don't know. I was like, I'll give you ten guesses. Like, cool. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen would, both of these movies, and I still don't know. It would have to be a couple's <laughs> costume, and your your partner would have to be dressed as the Declaration of Independence. And you have to keep <laughs> stealing them. See, that's the yeah. only that's the only thing you get away. And the funny enough. They have the souvenir declarations in the first one, as we mentioned. The little sling thing he has with the like declaration and a tube over his shoulder. That is the only thing I think like the art school. Oh, oh, mm. it, um, you're the guy from uh, National Treasure. You got the Declaration of Independence. Yeah. Mm. What's his name? If I hadn't have watched it this morning, I wouldn't have remembered <laughs> his fucking name. It's that kind of thing. Yeah, Whereas you know, Indiana Jones and to spin off into that as well. He just just Nicolas Cage being Nicolas Cage. He's a huge American history buff in real life. And he's basically just this guy, but but an <laughs> mm. actor and a bit of a nutter. It's this weird thing where like it was never made into this big franchise, and it feels like it should follow in the footsteps of pirates and stuff and the similar kind of stuff, but it just never really took off in the same way. But it did make shitloads of money. Both of them made like three hundred and fifty and four hundred million dollars, respectively. Mm. And it's like that's a lot of money, especially back then. You know, now we talk mm. about like, oh, if it doesn't make a billion, it doesn't count, yeah. kind of thing. But this is fifteen, mm. well, fourteen and seventeen years ago. That's mm. that's big money in the mid two thousand. And on a smaller budget than like a you know a, an MCU. Type yeah, you, thing. Not yeah, a lot. yeah, with the MCU, yeah. you're talking one hundred and fifty million dollar budget this plus real marketing mid, and stuff. Mid tier kind of thing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It should have been this huge massive next Disney adventure franchise kind of thing, and it just kind of never took off. It's weird. I think the problem that Disney had there is that um, this is a, a realisation I had when I was about halfway watching, halfway through watching the second one. I was like, oh, these are films for old people. <laughs> you look at but, you because yeah. I think the comparison, the comparison to Pirates is a, is a worthwhile one because they're about the same era and they're both Disney and they're both, you know, trying they're, to they're PG live action Disney adventure movie yes. type things. So mm. like, yeah, but Pirates has as much as it's got Johnny Depp being like the weird wacky character, which kids can kind of understand as well. Um, it's also got Will Turner and um, I can't even remember Kira Knightley's character Elizabeth, Elizabeth. There we go. Yeah, um, yep. as like younger focal characters. And kids love pirates and stuff like that. They're interested in that stuff. Whereas yeah, this... pirates by themselves. People play with like Playmobil and pirates Lego yeah. and stuff, even before Pirates of the Caribbean was a thing. Yeah. yeah. And it's got a ghost monkey. Yeah. <laughs> um, whereas this, like the central no couple... No, bug, no ghost monkeys at all. <laughs> no ghost monkeys. The central couple is like in their, what, 40s? Yeah, yeah, I think I think yeah. Kirk, late 30s younger, maybe yeah, for Dan Kruger. And Nicholas Cage is, is forty in the first movie. Yeah. Like in real life. Yeah. And I guess he's supposed to be playing like late thirties kind of guy. Mm. His age is never confirmed. Yeah. His occupation is never confirmed. He's, he's just a treasure hunter. Treasure hunter guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then he's got like, well, like, he's got two degrees and a loads of diving experience. You're like, so he's a professional academic then, I guess. Yeah. Like Sure. And like Riley, who's kind of like the quote unquote young character, would be in his like late twenties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And just looks like an IT guy. He does. Like, William you know. Kruger and 
and uh, Bartha, who plays Riley. Mm. Um, both the same sort of age, about late twenties mm. when this one came yeah. out. So yeah, still yeah. not as you say, it's not a rateable kid yeah. sort of age. And it's it's the the audience for this. It's it's people who who care about American history. It's they want a film. You know, it's uh, it's a film that's like not got a lot of like swearing or violence in it. It's family friendly Disney bollocks. It's, yeah, it's it family is. friendly, but it's also it's old old person friendly. That, that's like, what I, I made that yeah. way on purpose. Yeah, because you're equating it to old people. Yeah, but there it seems like such an obvious thing because of pirates to mm. franchise this towards kids. But you're so right that it's just it's like it's full of old people stuff. Like yeah. how how are you possibly marketing this to ten year olds? Yeah, and like there's a reason that they like they have um John Voigt as his father in the first one and they bring in Helen Mirren. They like they it shifts it even more towards an older like demographic in the second one. And it's also and it, that's the same audience that was buying the Dan Brown ba- the Dear babe. the Dan Brown books in yes. droves at this time. Yes. Because God, it's yeah. you know, it's exactly that same, you know, kind of forties to sixties, you know, like we want something silly to watch, but you know, we don't want like we haven't got time for all this gives you a headache CGI switch, switch your brain stuff. off fun kind of whereas stuff whereas this yeah. is just kind of like a throwback slightly to kind of romancing in the stone type stuff and indiana jones and all mm. those kind of things it's not got a lot of stuff that's aiming directly towards kids it's not got like a ghost monkey that you know kids are going to enjoy <laughs> but the adults are going to be a bit like oh, it's fine you know matt by the way we've hyped this up your, your pitch better have a ghost monkey in it yeah we've said it like three times now we're we're, <laughs> lo- we're planting the seeds for your pitch here mr Stockton. national treasure two ghost monkey yeah. <laughs> oh, here we go listeners here we go that's, Get ready. The, that's the real ghost protocol <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, I mean, yeah. Rogue Nation would work for National Treasure, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> My God, America's gained sentience and it's <laughs> on the rampage. i got to put America down. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I've got to steal the steering wheel to America. <laughs> um, <laughs> much more heads like lift out of the ground of these giant... Christ. Yeah. yeah. Colossus. And it's just that the, the whole film has a kind of like... A, a pace that it's it's not i'm not saying it's like a sluggish film because we've just read the synopsis there's lots of like they go over here and they do this thing and they find that thing but it's it's a much more mature f- blockbuster than yeah m- a lot of there's no people like yeah anyway it's there's no michael it, bay shit there's no michael bay shit there's the, the like the direction is very like locked down and and kind of uh there's not a huge amount of like lens flare or like strobing lights and stuff like that it sounds like i'm really being condescending to old people but it's like it's it is a slightly more just people can't handle their lens flare yeah it's a slightly more chill experience and that's why it makes good comfort watching because you can just be like i'll put that on that's why a lot of people like these films it's like it's an easy watch i remember that yeah it's just, just harmless fun there's a phrase that we would despise in the book selling industry back when I was working as a bookseller, mm. which was um, airport paperback ter- page turner. Yeah, a train station, airport yeah. kind of stuff. It's the, it's all that kind of schlocky, thrill- thrillery yeah, bollocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it yeah. doesn't. It's like I don't actually worry about. It. I'm not going to bring this book home. I'm just might leave it in the hotel I'm staying. What the fuck? It doesn't matter. It's, it's something. A, it's to a six me. quid fucking paperback. Exactly. You just pick up. You read it. Yeah. On the train journey off flight there and then never touch it again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. And also, the, in an era where we talk about like previous episodes where the Bourne films have dictated how action is shot, this film like goes, nah, we're good. I want to be able to see all the action, which actually is quite refreshing in a weird way. 
Um, and again, although it's two hours long each time, it doesn't feel it. It feels like she's a little shorter. Oh yeah, I thought like an hour, an hour and a half. It's yeah, when I was like I said, I I watched two earlier today, and yeah. I was like, oh fuck, have I got time to watch this? Like, I mean, granted, this is at six o'clock this morning, so, <laughs> and we're now recording in the afternoon, so I knew I did have time for it. But I was like, yeah, do I? Have, I had plans to do other stuff. I'm, I'm editing another episode and and mm-hmm. writing my pitches and stuff. Like, do I have time to get all that shit? So it's it's gonna be a ninety minute movie. It's like. Two hours and ten. Like, shit. (laughs) These films are two hours. Really? These films are two hours long. Mm. And I think it's this interesting thing where I know I've I've equated it to Indiana Jones and Uncharted a million times already, but as a 31-year-old man, they're they're my touch points and references for this kind of... I wasn't there for the original pulpy stuff. I know the stuff that is then derived from and referencing all the stuff from the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and all that kind of stuff. And thinking about how action-packed they are, and how, like, even Indiana Jones isn't as, like, there's no Michael Bay giant explosions or anything, but you still get, like, the iconic, the guy swinging the sword and Indy just shoots him and all these kind of, like, there's big punch-ups and he's punching Nazis and driving tanks and Shia LaBeouf is swinging through jungles and, and all this other kind of stuff. I guess he, like, Nicolas Cage hangs off a couple of things and he yeah, swings there's... on a thing and then he sets the thing on fire, but it's not a fire explosion, it just goes, like, poof. <laughs> oh look! It lights up a thing. Oh, it's a chandelier. Oh, it's a it's a secret torch on the, the sconce. It's like, cool. When's the action happening? Well, it's it's, it's again the Dan Brown mindset of of t- well twofold. It's First old. It's all, old man action. Yeah. What you know? It's not gonna be like oh here's a twenty year old leaping off of ledges and parkouring. It's like here's a forty year old man going down a banister. Mm. <laughs> God, I could I could probably do that. And and, and speaking of Dan Brown. Robert Langdon is the perfect example of that. <laughs> he looks he, the same in he, terms of like... Tom Hanks is not an action star, no. especially not in the mid-2000s. <laughs> yeah, no. So it's like, he's not going to be out there doing a Harrison Ford when he was, you know, in his late 30s, early 40s, mm. being the like handsome, kick-ass, bit of a dickhead kind of anti-hero kind of character mm. that we know Harrison Ford to be in that era. You don't get that at all. You get like, oh, oh, Tom Hanks is going for a bit of a run. I guess that's an action scene. That'll do. That's fine. He'll, he'll run from one bit of library to the next bit of the library as as some of the library collapses behind him, I guess. Again, it's, it's that wish fulfillment, like the whole, I said, like the Bond thing, like that sort of stuff. It's the idea that you got enough older white dudes who are like, I know some stuff about American history and I would put it in a pub quiz. Oh, imagine, right? All the pub quiz knowledge I use all the time. Mm-hmm. That could save the world one day. Fuck off. Nobody cares that you know who Paul Revere's mum is. I know that there's three Statues of Liberty, actually. Uh, yeah, see that, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that the action, the action in these films is perfectly described uh, by uh, a little thing that occasionally comes up, uh, oh, film class- stuff. classification yes. stuff, Mild Peril. Mild Peril, <laughs> yes. Mild Peril could be the name of this movie. Because there's, there's, oh there's almost no like violence in these films, <laughs> and even then it's people like, oh, I'm going to shoot this thing so that the thing will blow up now. Nobody gets shot. There, like, there's, there's, there's loads of gunshots. Nobody gets shot. Like, yeah. Okay. They shoot the declaration. Yep. Yeah. It's under bulletproof glass. It's like, just shoot his legs. He'll fall over. Yeah. Steal it. It's like, no. Don't people, shoot pe- the bloody people glass. People straight up shoot. Nicholas Cage. I, I'm, I refuse to call him Ben Gates. I'm calling mm-hmm. him Nicholas Cage. They are. They are one and the same. Ben Gates is an IT guy who comes down and fixes your computer. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They straight up shoot Nicholas Cage in the face like a couple of times. And I was like, "Oh, better duck behind this car. Like, you would be dead. <laughs> You're point blank range in front yeah. of him in a fucking graveyard." In the first one, he's like, "I'm a, I'm a trained assassin. Better just shoot around this choo, guy, I guess." Choo. Like, 
You're 15 feet in front of him. He's got a pistol in his hand. You'd be dead six times. Yeah. What are you talking about? But he might be able to dodge it because he's a 40-year-old man. But exactly. It's just this PG Disney bollocks combined with all the old man energy that these <laughs> films have. And it merges into this just actionless mediocrity that you'd end up getting. I would it's have a, a car chase and watch out. There's some beer barrels dropping off the back <laughs> of this truck. Yeah, yeah. I'm I would surprised say... they don't have a guy like two blokes with glass a pane glass. walking yes. in front yeah. of <laughs> fruit card fresh fruit oh no <laughs> i i would say it's kind of like the energy in a weird way in hocus pocus yeah. um, where you've got that. you know the declaration is the sanderson sisters um <laughs> no it's, it's more it's like, there's a book in it as well but more importantly because again you've got the animosity sort of love-hate relationship between the two you know young leagues the difference is that is kids and the adults don't understand don't listen and more importantly being disney there's a magical element a fantasy yeah. element yeah this is just the classic, the classic uh, frustration is like, how do I get kids into history? It's like, well, history is actually really fucking cool, but it's boring when you're a kid because you do not care. You want to go forward, not backward, even though you realize it's all sort of part and parcel linked into all these things. But when you're a child, you're like, you can think, you think parts of history is cool. You can go like, mummies, that's cool. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Yeah, gladiators, that's Romans, fucking cool. Vikings, gladiators, yeah, samurai, yeah, all the oh, it's amazing. Stuff, yeah. yeah. These are all some amazing huge dresses from like, you know, Marion's one. That's cool. I love that shit. Great. Uh, no, we need to learn about the politics of America. <laughs> do, you want to, do you want to learn about George Washington? Did he ever slice a dude in half? <laughs> yeah. You... In, in Assassin's Creed 3, he did. <laughs> when he, yeah, become, when he becomes say, King George. That and that uh, fucking awful Netflix American movie I was talking about. America uh, the movie. Oh, yeah. Fucking yeah. Terrible yeah. Film. yeah. So, America. Let's talk about America, shall we? Let's talk about America and... Uh, okay, let's talk about the cultural picket fence. Oh, The cultural okay. picket fence is the idea that um, every nation has a wonderfully uh, singular view of the world. Yes. Yeah. And the picket fence is, at the end of my fence, is the end of the world. Every, Beyond that is anything else. Everything else. Uh, everyone looks yeah. at my house and thinks, what an amazing thing. And you can only see how the fence is painted from your side. When you cross over the fence, i.e. traveling, meeting people abroad, or having a family with, you know, uh, multiple nationalities and things you go the other side of this fence is fucking disgusting and my <laughs> house looks like an aggressive middle finger to everybody <laughs> yeah and everyone hates me it's like yeah. yeah why do they hate me it's like they don't hate you it's just your country's done a lot of awful stuff oh, you have started a bunch of wars and invaded a bunch of countries and all yeah that, all that kind of good stuff and that's, that's true for over the last e centuries yeah and that's true for every single nation um and also you're like oh everybody knows about this in our history it's like nobody knows anything about this what are you talking <laughs> about true for Again, France, Britain, Germany, America, fucking India, China, wherever the fuck you are. It's like, everyone knows who the Australian Prime Minister is. I couldn't fucking tell you if they have a Prime Minister. It's like, I, I do know those things, but it's not the point. But most people were like, don't know that. Like, oh, yeah, like they could, they could pretty reasonably have a president and I'd be like, yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. Why not? I guess. Yeah, I don't exactly. know. Yeah, why not? Yeah. And then some English person says, oh, they still got a queen, right? It's like, yeah, if you entirely. queen. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Commonwealth, and, oh boy. Yeah, and that's the point. People go like, oh, but everybody knows these things. And some films will go over the top explaining it, and it's quite condescending. You're like, mm. yeah, I know the French have Euros and all who used to have Franks. <laughs> Christ. Other times it's like, my God, the Liberty Bell. It's like, what the fuck is the Liberty Bell? I mean, I know these things because I'm a twat, but most people don't. And the, this film has no time for the viewers. Hello, I'm one of those most people. Yep. It's come up a couple of times on this show. I don't know, my co-hosts know this as men who have been to America and know much more about America than I do, because I've never been to America, never studied American history. I don't know who any of these fuckers are. 
I couldn't point <laughs> out the difference between Ben Franklin and John Adams and George. If you lined the fuckers up in portraits, I'd be like, I have no idea. Old man. I have no idea. Yeah, old, Benjamin, old American Benjamin dudes. Franklin's the one with his dick out. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. Are we talking about Nicolas Cage, Benjamin Franklin? <laughs> or, uh, yeah, but things like the Liberty Bell and all the like references that I assume are famous in America. Oh, yeah. Um, mm. Like, oh, it, oh, it's not the Liberty Bell. It's the other... The Bell of Independence, or the fucking other one is like, and, it, and it, it, there's the one in the in the museum, but there's the one in the tower, and that points to the thing. Like, I don't know what any of this is. I have no idea what's going on and why any of this matters. At least they touch on like Mount Rushmore in the second one and stuff. Not as we get, as we said, not great because <laughs> of the whole Native American thing yeah. and destroying sacred sites and just being like, "Yep, here's our presidents." Put white men on the mountains. Yeah, like, yeah great. American history is also a bastard because when Americans learn American history, it's like the Mayflower arrived. Yeah. Okay, what happened then? Independence. What happened then? Civil War. <laughs> what happened then? Uh, World War Two, probably. What happened then? Vietnam. Vietnam. Yeah. What happened then? As we talked about in the Rambo episode. Yeah. yeah. What happened then? Nine Eleven. Yeah. It's like that's your history. It's uh-huh. like shit's, bits we're talking about. Stuff happened for two hundred years and then a couple of wars. We should clarify: British history, though, is immensely longer, has the same stupid focus. Oh, yes. oh absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Because thinking back to like my high school history classes and stuff like that, you learn so much about World War Two because oh, it's the good old war and the good old days, and we fought the bad guys and we saved the world and all that bollocks. And it's all this very like hip hip hurrah patriotic bullshit. Yeah, can you tell I don't care? <laughs> and the Americans do the same thing, but we don't learn that at school <laughs> for the majority of it. Like like I said, the fact that you two have both been to America, Matt, you stayed in America. I studied to be a citizen at one point. I had to learn this for a test. And there you go. And Tim, you studied in America for an extended mm. period of time. I've never even set foot on that continent. So it's like, I have no context for this. I've had no reason to go out of my way and I'm not much of a history buff anyway, if at the best of times, even of the stuff I do know stuff about. But it's such a blind spot for me that these so many of the words in these films just like completely wash over me. I'm sure there's loads of references I'm just not getting. And I was like, oh yeah, this is blah blah. I've heard of John Wilkes Booth. I know Abraham Lincoln. Like, cool. Okay. Well, why do we know these things? Yeah, it's those like incredibly famous touch points, and then anything outside of like the most famous things, which unfortunately these films really like to delve into. I'm like, okay. I don't know what that is. I don't know who he is, but sure. Like, he's an important well, the- thing, and this is an important integral little coin of this thing. I'm like, yep, whatever. So. Yeah, if you, it, it's me sat there for two hours going, if you say so. Yeah, I believe they could say <laughs> anything. I'd be like, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's, they, they, take the mo- they take the most obvious things, and then they make up a thing that's adjacent to them. Oh, the yes. Most yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there's a few bits that are, like, a bit more obscure, like knowing who came up with the idea for the Statue of Liberty. And, Not a clue. And, the, and, the silence do good letters, where they stop talking about Franklin's yes. fucking... Uh, Never heard that name before in my life. Yeah. yeah. And um, fire brigade or the fuck knowing the, the last surviving signature signatory of the Declaration yes, of Independence, yes. like there's, I think even most Americans, like they, I think there's something like Americans talk a big game about it. Like yeah. you don't know what's on the Declaration. Can you tell me what's on the Declaration of Independence? Mm-hmm. Don't matter. It's my freedom. It's like yeah. great, great, great. Yeah, like I mean, British history's like you said. We 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 learn the same stuff. I saw it. There was a tweet the other day. Someone it was an American who was asking like, oh, you know, um, did you um study this this thing about the english civil war do, do, do most people know this like asking kind of twitter um 
and I was like, I'm a, I'm British, and we didn't start to study the English Civil War. Same in our school, like mm. it went uh, Tudors, yep, Industrial Revolution, yep. World War Two, yep. and then just cycle through that again and again. Pretty much. See, mine was different in London. I know, so, so it's, the education curriculum is kind of the same, but it's also a little different where you go. I remember very distinctly when you're a kid, you get a lot in one go. It's Greece, Rome, oh, yes. Egypt, yeah, Vikings. So huge. yeah. There's a big thing about ancient history. Yes. We get way more ancient history. We get Greeks, Romans, all the shit that happened. When we yeah. are literally Egyptians, six. 2000, yeah. 5000 BC. Because they, they know that stuff is interesting to little kids as yeah. well. Yeah. Yes. I mean, like we said, it's the sexy stuff. They've got all the cool outfits and the cool swords and there's pyramids and stuff and there's big epic battles and mm-hmm. you know 300 and all this we, kind of cool we stuff. know less so we can generalize more about it and you don't mm-hmm. have to get into like a hundred percent yeah like what's uh, the Suez canal don't worry about it yeah <laughs> yeah we don't learn any of the kind of like of that within living memory i mean like yeah maybe if you have a great grandfather then probably like well, I mean, can he confirm that I'm like no yeah. let's just learn about stuff that happened eight thousand years ago <laughs> that we we don't know maybe it was aliens we have no idea well, I, it wasn't I was aliens, at high school at the end of Arguably, this chapter off. Hopefully, the end of it was we'll see the troubles between Northern Ireland and, of course, mm. England. It's like, we're going to talk about any of this stuff, this actual history we're yeah, we right now. Nope, never learn about that kind of never stuff. Never talk about. You don't talk about stuff that brings shame to your country. Yeah. Um. So basically, what we we learned was outside of the whole like you know the, the 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 classic ancient history stuff, the sort of older age stuff you get to is, as Tim said, Tudors and Stuarts. Um. I did learn about the English Civil War personally. That was they were coming out my my. Stuff. All right. Sure. Um. But I think that's because it's Catholic school, so we're talking about like times that you know, oh, yeah. Catholics are persecuted. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, you and I have had this conversation before, Matt. Mm. I don't know anything about Irish history either. Like, oh, I learned that from family and books. Exactly. School. But unfortunately, I am the most mediocre, middle of the road, milk toast, white Englishman. <laughs> <laughs> like my entire family, as far back as my uncle has tracked my mm. fucking ancestry, it's just white English people. Yeah. I am the most boring English white dude. <laughs> There is, and I have no yeah. interesting history. It's just like, cool, whatever. We don't have the cultural touch points that you and your family have in well, yeah, yeah. going into Ireland and Northern Ireland and the conflicts there and all that kind of stuff. It's just like, yeah, it was England for like the last however long. And yeah, there were some queen, there queens and kings and stuff. Yeah, there's assumption like, oh, Britain. You're like, no, that's Ireland. Yeah, Britain. I like, no. I, okay, technically. The British Isles. The British Isles, yes, but no, different nation, different thing. No, used to be England. Never was it. No, hang on now. So, yeah. But so we did all that stuff. Then we get to Regency stuff is ignored. You get some Wellington. You get a little bit of fighting Napoleon. Yeah, see, I didn't. I, then again, I stopped doing history at year nine. Oh, this is before year nine. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah, this is the thing. When you get to year nine, which is what GCSE standard is for us in, in, in school, it's like, right, buckle down. You're getting three things and three things only. World War One, World War Two, Cold War. And Cold War basically means Vietnam. And I kept thinking, why am I learning about Vietnam? And I said, well, because you need to know the effects of, you know, dick measuring between America and Russia. I'm like, yeah. What, what, what were we doing at the time? And it's never talked about. I can't remember if we had this conversation on air or randomly, like, just, you know, bringing yeah, up, comparing between British and American history. I have no concept of how the timelines line up. When I think of like, <laughs> yeah. when I think of like Victorian England, what is happening in America? Civil Off the War. top of my exactly. Off the top of my head, I'm like, I don't know. Is, I could I couldn't even pinpoint the Victorian years. Like, is that eighteen something to something else? Yes. I guess. Exactly. Yeah. But it's like I guess. It's like what's happening in the eighteen hundreds? The American West? 
I don't know. Yeah. Like cowboys and shit. Like you've there's got samurai in, in, yeah. in Japan at the same time. Like, yeah, uh, the 18, well, technically we went to war with, the, with America in the 1800s. Nobody knows that. Um, it might be in my pitch. Um, oh. But there's stuff in there. But also um, eventually it was the proper peace treaty or something. And the, during the American Civil War, the English uh, or British Empire, we want to call it at the time, sent envoys to the Confederate States to see if they could side with them to fund them, basically, to fuck over the North. Because we were still bitter a hundred years later. Thought maybe we can get a bit of control back of America. And then we kind of went, mm. the, the The story is allegedly the British would never side with the nation that was okay with slavery. I'm like, I'm not doing that. that's like bullshit. Yeah. I think they were like, nah, they're going to lose. Fuck this. Yeah. That was the only real yeah. deciding. But that's the thing. We don't, we don't learn about stuff because you learn the Industrial Revolution, Isambard, Kingdom Brunel, and what did we do? We invented the empire. And it's like, yes. Did we learn about how that ended? <laughs> We brought culture to the savages. Like, mm -hmm. That's a terribly weird view of history. And the yep. problem is, people have, and, and we will track back to the movie, which is all part of it. It's worth us giving the, the, our experience to highlight that we're not just saying, oh, Americans are dumb. It's like, that is true of all nations. You don't know your own history. You know what you've been sold. You know what you've been told and what you've been educated, which is not really the truth. And it's what's fed to you. And so America is the greatest nation in the world. It's never done anything wrong. Uh, its history is rich and full and interesting. Its landscape is the most beautiful in the world. And it is the greatest nation ever. Like, sure, based on what? What I was told. By who? An American. It's like, right. Anyone that they leave uh, the, the, their, their country? They've never left the state. Right. Well, I don't know <laughs> if I entirely trust their worldview. Yeah, I have no idea what like a British version of this film would look like. <laughs> I, feel like I hadn't even thought about it. I that. feel like yeah, it would yeah. be it would be Queen Victoria. And Churchill. I was about. I was literally going to say Winston Churchill. Yeah. And like, that's the thing we don't have because America has such a short history. Certain episodes it, of Doctor Who, are <laughs> <laughs> and it has it has like well do because its history is relatively recent. It's incredibly well documented in, in his historical terms, and so you can point to individuals and go like, this person clearly had a big impact, mm -hmm. and we have all this evidence. We have letters that they wrote. And I mean, blah, literally, blah, 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 there's yes. letters with this one. You yeah. talk about the Do Good letters, and you talk about. The Declaration of Independence sure. is a physical document that they have that you can read in real life and mm. see actual people's handwriting. All the other shit from like hundreds and thousands of years ago, only yeah. the pyramids are left. I don't know. Like, as a sphinx, <laughs> yeah. we don't know well, how old Alexandria is. is gone, so we're fucked. Oh, no, 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 no. We found, we found some of the secret <laughs> hidden library of Alexandria stuff. That's very useless. In America, speak. because, yeah. But, yeah, that's, it's like, you know, you can tell point to something and go like oh we've got, we've got the magna carta that's like a big thing it's like yeah but what do we know about the people who wrote it like relatively little like especially in terms of like where would they store their secret pipe that opens up the vault <laughs> um you know it's they, we don't have those same iconic kind of characters and hmm. we, 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 we don't idolize like the founding fathers or whatever well, the hell whether we don't have them no, like, exactly we, yeah. we export certain things because again we're told certain things and one of the greatest marketing campaigns in this country is Henry VIII was a fucking terrible, awful king, but he's now a bit of a cool caddish. Yes, like, that's a, yeah, that, yeah. It would him be, and Queen Elizabeth. The, yeah, the Elizabeth, yeah, Elizabeth. Yeah, it would be Elizabeth I. It'd be Victoria. It'd be Henry VIII. Yeah, and and Churchill. And Churchill. Yeah. Like that, that. That's it. Weirdly enough, uh, Emma and I went to see the musical Six uh, recently, yes. which is the six wives of Henry VIII, basically competing as different pop stars. So one is like. Inspired by Lily Allen, one's Adele, one's Beyonce, one's Rihanna, all this kind of stuff. And they basically compete to see who had the worst experience being married <laughs> to Henry VIII. 
and not to spoil it, it kind of ends up with a big feminist thing of like, why are we famous anyway? Because we're, we're the six wives, right? Who's even heard of Catherine of Aragon? Mm. Who's even heard of Anne, not, not the famous Anne, the other one, you uh, know, the please. German one? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, who's even heard of these people? You know them as the six wives, divorced, beheaded, died, divorced, beheaded, survived. Like, you know the rhyme. You don't know their stories. And that musical goes into that, like, they tell their stories through the songs and all that kind of stuff. And it ends with, like, why are we fighting? fuck Henry, we're a girl band now, fuck yeah, and it's like, yeah, nice. like rewriting history, and they say rewriting herstory, because instead of history, it's feminist. Pun, like it. Great pun, Matthew, no, shut up. Not. And it's, it's fan- I recommend if you do get a chance to see it. It does sound very it, cool. It, it is on tour at the moment in the UK, and I know they're working, I believe, on a US version as well. Uh, it is currently in London as well. Henry is exportable. They know that's something you can actually, yeah. There you go. It's famous enough that you go like, oh yeah, it's the six wives of Henry VIII, and you mm. can do the, like the, the classic kind of lineup with the big fat mm, guy with yeah. the ruffles in the middle the and then the Jonathan Rhys Meyer TV series that yeah, yeah, covered all exactly. of them not that long ago. I've got a little to to, to top off. We're going to to fix this movie. I've got a little quiz or a question. A question, sorry, a question. Let's not, let's not, let's not hype it up. Three quizzes, it's two in mostly, the outtakes, and one in the main episode. Matthew, to, see to highlight a point about history and exporting your history because it's not just that Americans don't learn about history; it's that we learn our history through watching things like National Treasure, for example, <laughs> and that's how we. Learn. I'm going to do a little test on Jack only. Oh, no. Sorry, Jack. This isn't picking on you. It's because Tim and I have a knowledge of America. I think it is picking on me, man. We'll see how it goes. Right, Jack. <laughs> hey, Matt. You, other than, uh, let's, say, let's say before Bush. Wink. How many United States presidents can you name? Just the surname, just any names. Four or five? No, no, just, just name off. Anything you can think of. Name, just name-wise. The other Bush. Right, there you go. That's one, yeah. Uh, Lincoln. Two, yeah. Kennedy. Three. Is there another Kennedy? Were there no. two Kennedys? There you go. See, um, uh, oh, Eisenhower is he a, is he yes. a president? Yeah. So there's a lot of things I know. Franklin famously wasn't a president, but he's a famous Correct. American yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that kind of stuff yeah, where they're, like, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. a famous historical figure, but they're not a president yeah. kind of thing. Obviously, Washington being the first five, one. Five, yeah. Uh, you can stop there. That's good. That's fine. Yeah, I'd hit five pretty comfortably. Thinking. Watch this. Uh, Jack. Yeah. Before Thatcher, name some prime ministers of this country. Uh, Churchill. <laughs> he was there um, twice, but he counts as once. Yeah. Chambers, funnily enough. <laughs> Chambers or because of Ch- Chamberlain. It's Cham- sorry, Chamberlain. Cham- Chamberlain yeah. yeah, Chambers is a derivative of Chamberlain. For the record. <laughs> yeah, um, it's same etymology of the surname. Um, who else is there? We have literally hundreds of years. Of oh yeah, 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 this, yeah. Is, this is not me attacking you. This is me. No, 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 no. Yeah, like I said, I'm not a history buff at all. No, no, that's fine. Um. Tim, do you want to jump in with a few? First, first, first ever one was from Norwich. What the fuck, what the fuck does that mean? He was a general. Might have, enemy. Might have heard of him. I mentioned him earlier. First he was ever in, one uh, was... He was in, uh, uh, his, his boot named after him. What? I have absolutely no idea where you're going with this. Wellington. Oh, I had no idea. So there you go. Never heard but, of him. There we go. We got to the point, and this is not me attacking you, this is not making you fun of Jack. You mentioned him earlier, and I've never... Not making fun of Jack here. <laughs> Five presidents, quite quickly. Three prime like, ministers at a at a push. Yeah. And it's like yeah. shit, shit. And that's this kind of, it's like who you're like, Disraeli's one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Heath, this Heath, yeah. It's like, it's like, I, could, I could name them all within my lifetime. Oh yes. Like you said, before Thatcher, who And that's knows? the point, because the Americans have a like, you know, in the classroom pictures of the presidents on the wall kind of thing in certain schools and things. But that's the thing. We don't we, we don't know... idolize them in quite the same no, way unless you do. Shit. And then, well, yeah. Yeah. But that's the point. We don't know them. I can, I can name most of the presidents. 
I can name some of the prime ministers. I yeah, the T-shocks. Well, that's different. We're now on forty-six with Biden, right? Yes. In terms of presidents, yeah. how many prime ministers? He's forty-six. Trump is forty-five. Biden's forty-six. How many prime ministers? Hundreds, I would guess. I'm gonna find out. And me too. <laughs> prime ministers of the yeah. UK. I mean, it's it's because we have a different. I mean, we have a different political system. Oh, so, entirely, entirely. You yeah. know, you can you can. I bet you can name all of the monarchs back to nineteen. 19- you know, sixteen. You'd be surprised. Yeah, I was well, gonna say maybe. <laughs> well, the monarchs back to nineteen sixty. Yeah, yeah, one, <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But this is the point. It's, it's 17... mostly the idea of how these things are portrayed, how we talk about them, and what we say. A prime minister isn't as important in our eyes. Um, I mean, again, you've got. Um, so yeah, so well, technically counts, I guess. We're back to like late seventeenth century, like terms of office here. I'm looking at seventeen twenty one. That's not that much before America. Exactly. So it's 50 years before America. Mm-hmm. But we have... We don't talk about them. because I'm just going to just gonna give a flick, flick here. Like, that's yeah, how many I prime know. ministers there have been. All the portraits. I'm there. still going. There's loads of them. It's madness. Yeah. And that's kind of the thing. It is, it's fascinating that we absorb this stuff. And National Treasure is also... Public, like a lot of other things, informs people how American history is, except it's all horribly, horribly wrong. So we're all very well aware that George Washington is the first president and Abraham Lincoln was one that was assassinated, except lots were assassinated. You know, we know about the bits that America wants to talk about, i.e. the Civil War and the Independence and Revolutionary War and that kind of stuff. And blah, 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 blah. And National Treasure is, for an entertaining romp that just does a silly thing, it doesn't really want to actively educate no, it's no. They just have a fun, good time. And that's not necessarily... It's, and to be fair, I, I actually don't necessarily have a problem with that because... It's not a fucking documentary. It's not a Ken Burns fucking thing. If you want to go watch something like that, go watch it. <laughs> but it, this is just a thing to have someone go, dun, 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 dun. Stop oh. doing the mouth. <laughs> Stop music. To run around and basically just, you know, go from site to site. So when you go on your fucking school field trip, you don't want to go to, to be, you know, who's that? Oh, it's this, you know, so-and-so president. Oh, and this is where they stayed when they said, oh, fucking great. And then, but in the back of one kid's mind, they might be saying, you know what might be cool here though? Someone might have like left a clue somewhere, but you know, some cool. It's like no, they weren't cool dudes. They were all slave owning landowners. They didn't, they didn't really care. They, they're not that amazing. Like Lin Manuel Miranda with Hamilton, for example. Hamilton's a very fun musical. I like it a lot. But there's a lot of kids in America who really. Is Hamilton a president? No. no there you go. See, no, I have no idea. I still haven't seen. Hamilton, he's on a ten dollar so. bill, and you think he would be? Yeah. He, no, he uh, he was the first governor of the bank of whatever. That's the British England. Treasury Secretary. Treasury Secretary. Yeah, exactly. Thank you very much. Um, but he could have been in theory, arguably. It's it's a it's a tricky one. And the film is not this is the key thing here. I would still recommend people watching National Treasure. I think it's a very fun, well put together movie. I think it literally is absolutely perfectly functional and fine as a dismissible Sunday afternoon kind of feature. Harmless, shall we say. It's also because it's so innocent and as Tim said, very much for an older audience. It's the kind of thing you could fall asleep through and not is, it is confusing, like a heist film. It's so much like wait, who's going where? But at no point does it seem to actually matter. There's no real stakes, <laughs> even though they're the most ridiculous stakes you can do, especially considering 6th of January. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh God, there was so many th- fucking memes of like people storming through, storming the Capitol and people have sort of photoshopped in uh, Nicolas Cage they with the Declaration of Independence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, it's weird that, I know we, we keep talking about like the franchise of these movies, but it's just two films. As I mentioned earlier, there are oh, no yeah, rides, yeah. there's hardly yeah. any merchandise, all this kind of Film stuff. Film and sequel. Yeah. Well, they're, it's 
supposed to be a Disney Plus series. I just just double checked that. Apparently, yes. with a female Latin lead. I think so. Yeah, this is the plan. Like a young in her in her twenties kind of thing, and tying into like the history of her family and stuff. Hopefully, that means we step away from the white guy historical. The problem is, touch point history, stuff, you're going like, to have to talk about a lot of shit stuff that white guys did. Yeah. So that would, I'm not nice. that, that, would, is, that would be nice. Yeah, that's the, yeah, but it's the thing is that you've got to, but you've got to have the conversation rather than the, the idolizing it. And again, as we come back to many times, this was 2004 and 2007. Get your fucking flag, America. Believe in it. It's you know, my God, my best country, liberty, freedom, for it. Yeah, and I know we kind of like joke about how we cover all these obscure movies and stuff, but I thought. Whenever I do kind of research into a thing and, and particularly one of the series I'm less familiar with when we do sequelizers, I thought I'm going to check out what like stuff's on YouTube and check what podcasts have done an episode oh, about this. Oh, interesting. Uh, there are, in fact, quite a few episodes recently, weird enough, in September 2021 about National Treasure. Not necessarily the second one, no, no, but no. about the series as a whole. And in fact, I found out my favorite one I found out is called National Treasure Hunt. It is an entire national treasure podcast <laughs> bloody hell yeah it, it it kind of like you have to delve down into such detail yeah. they do like individual character studies then there's a whole episode about the music Jesus. and then a whole episode about this sort of stuff um it's actually really quite good i oh, do I recommend doubt it. it i'm just saying that that's so in, uh, intense the co-hosts um aubrey and emily are really funny and have, have a great kind of dynamic to it and they were talking about comparing ben to nicholas cage and kind of what i touched on earlier about like He's just Nicolas Cage. Like, he's barely acting at this point. And yeah, when you said diving down into characters, I was like, not a lot of meat on that bone. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so they do an interesting thing that when they analyze a character specifically, they've done it for the three central, so Abigail, Ben, and Riley. They drill down into, each one of them comes up with five adjectives they'd use to describe that character. And then they compare their adjectives to see, you know, all this kind of stuff. It's a really interesting way of like, how different people see different characters. Yeah, of course. And they start off quite positive and being like, yeah, Ben's like well-educated and like, yeah, cool. He's got two degrees. Like he's, uh, he's like really, um, uh, really like creative and stuff. Driven. Like, yeah, he's like, exactly all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And <laughs> after a while they're like, yeah, he's, he's confident. Um, and then Emily chimes in with like, do you mean arrogant? Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, um, <laughs> I mean, He's well intentioned, I guess. And he's like, <laughs> I don't know. He's kind of, he's kind of not. <laughs> and they really kind of realize halfway through that episode, like, is Ben Gates a good person? Is it just Nicolas no. Cage being Nicolas Cage? Like, there's this weird kind of realization. You realize that Abigail's like one of the few, like, okay people. Oh, yeah. And even then, she goes to the FBI and does that whole switcheroo thing. And the first one that's, is it a switcheroo? Is it not a switcheroo? Is a whole, oh, she's a bad guy or a good guy and all this kind of stuff. And, yeah, it really kind of helped me get my head around Ben Gates as a character because I just saw him as this kind of supremely stubborn, arrogant dickhead. And in the second film in particular, Cage's performance is so Cage and so <laughs> weird. I can't like, he's one of those actors where I find it very, very difficult to get immersed in his roles. Um constantly aware that oh that is Nicolas Cage on screen and he is acting yes. yeah. I, I love films where I can kind of and I, I've touched them before if I go in completely blind and it has like a mostly unknown cast or something 
and I just get absorbed and I just I'm, I'm living in that world while I'm watching this film. Mm. I'm not constantly aware, like, oh, there's Christian Bale. Oh, there's Robert Downey Jr. All these famous faces popping up everywhere. Nicolas Cage is one of those people I can't unsee in a film. And especially in these movies, his line delivery is so weird. And we, t- we touched on it earlier and even before the show, like his performance in like Kick-Ass and stuff. We're like, oh, yeah. That it's a comic book character. It's going to be silly. Yes, it's silly. And yeah. even then, he pulls out fucking weird deliveries. <laughs> and the when I was watching the second one this morning, I was like, how much of this is ADR'd? Because a lot of it feels ADR'd. And that was the only way I could describe his dialogue delivery is that just whether I'm watching his lips move on camera or not, it feels like it's a he's ADRing himself. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who don't know, that is um, automatic dialogue replacement where they go in afterwards following the recording of the movie, the filming of all it and all that kind of stuff, go into a studio and redo the dialogue because maybe there's an audio issue. Maybe they need to touch it up a little bit. It's a very, very, very common thing in films. I have a bit of an ear for audio from editing podcasts for the last decade. Yeah. And why I've touched on Bane from Dark Knight Rises so many times. I'm not going to go into that. You know what I'm talking about. It feels like Nicolas Cage is just in a different room half the time. Not even in terms of like the audio and stuff. It's, it's not a Bane situation. But his delivery is just like, well, yeah, sure, I guess. You're having a quiet conversation in private. Why are you talking so weirdly? Why is your intonation all over the place? Why are you being so Nicolas Cage about the whole, the hostiles? Yeah, he's just a dick to everyone. And he, there's no real like... I don't know, redeeming factors to him? And then everybody's like, oh, you're the best, Ben. And I'm like, is he, though? He's just kind of a bit of a dickhead who happens to be yeah. a descendant of someone apparently famous See. who I've never heard of. <laughs> and it's, and it's like, okay, cool. He's terrible to everyone, including Abigail, who gets with him twice. And it's like, I know may- maybe you'd need... I know, they, again, they set up the, the trilogy, they set up the third film or the <laughs> Disney Plus series, whatever it's going to be, but... Yeah. I wonder, and again, I'm not writing your pitch for you here, Matt, no, no, no. but I wonder if like a more tragic fuck you, Ben kind of moment would be me coming, obviously, from the British side of things and me not giving a shit about any of this history stuff. Sure, sure. I'd be like, fuck it, make him John Wilkes Booth's descendant. Make him like... Confront the reality of your history? Confront the reality of your history. America don't like that. Exactly. Neither does Britain, exactly. to be fair. Well, that's very true. But yeah. you're right, that's actually, that's the, cha- that's the more challenging Give, give him some yes. complexity, give him some nuance. And I feel like Ben... He thinks he's super clean cut and oh, the only way I can defend the Declaration of Independence is if I steal it first. It's like, that's not the most obvious answer. This is you being an arrogant dickhead and basically one-upping this bad guy because yeah. you can. You need to one-up the British guy because America, because Ben is better than anyone else. He's the best treasure-stealing dude. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a very, the only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a yeah. gun. That's like, the only thing that stops a bad person from stealing the Declaration of Independence <laughs> is a good person stealing the Declaration of You've Independence. You've nailed it, Tim. Absolutely, yeah. And I, I can't get, as a very like pro-gun control, anti-gun person myself, yeah. I'm, I'm English, surprise, surprise, we don't have guns here, ladies and gentlemen. I just can't get into that mentality. I can't see Ben Gates as this super clean-cut American all-star mm. hero type character because it's Nicolas Cage and he's in his fucking 40s. <laughs> like, he, I, he doesn't need to be in his 20s. That's not the point I'm making. He doesn't need to be, you know, running around doing flips and big explosions mm. and parkouring like Daniel Craig did in Casino Royale or whatever. Yeah. 
but it's it's Nicolas Cage and he always looks like he could have just stood up from doing a big rail of cocaine. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And you yeah. never know what you're going to get with Cage, which I quite like about him sometimes. You know, he brings a really unique energy and and you get great performances from him in certain cases. But so often you get shit like this where you feel like maybe dial it down like three or four notches, Nick. Maybe <laughs> don't go... And this a is... line and a half of coke beforehand, and then a line and a coke afterwards as well. <laughs> like, just, just ease off a little bit, mate. This is a film for old people, remember. <laughs> and to be fair, this is Nicolas Cage at like a five. Oh yeah, oh, he's yeah. toned down by Disney. He's <laughs> yeah, really, exactly. Yeah. yeah, this is this P- PG Disney trying to keep it under control. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I would say, just to cap this off. Ben Gates is a terrible person, but more than that, Ben Gates is a very, very, very dangerous person. The film plays it off with a sort of tiddly tea, very light sort of thing. Yeah. Now, there's a word here, I'm getting necessarily serious for a second, oh. that Ben Gates would attribute to himself, I believe. Patriot. Oh, no. Ben Gates is a true he is. patriot. Yeah. He knows the real he history does. of America. Yeah. And, and it's like, what Ben Gates is, and I know I'm being like exacerbating and heightening this quite a lot, but I'm escalating to a natural conclusion. Ben Gates would be first in line to storm the Capitol building. <laughs> he would be like, no, I, I did it before. I stopped doing it. It's like, I've got to kid that president. Like, You've got... You've got to kidnap the pre- The only way you can get a, a room to talk to him is to kidnap him. Have you fucking heard? Just, America's on the right. What? America's fine, motherfucker. Are you insane? Well, not more. It's more than that. Well, what's more than that? What's this thing you need to fuck? My family have got a history with this treasure. Are you fucking? What do you mean treasure? There's more money than God mm-hmm. here. Are you? What are you talking about? I've got to make sure everyone knows that my father, my founding father, my my you know my absolute sainthood legacy of I belong in this country was the good guy, the best guy. He couldn't have possibly been involved in anything untoward. It's like, I mean, first of all, sins of the father and all that shit. Yeah. Blame for your ancestors. And sins Except, of the great, know, great, great, yeah, great grandfather. Most people are fucking slave owners in this country and everything else. Yeah. Like, if, you, yep. you know, if you had the mighty, mm-hmm. and if you didn't, you because you lost it because of opportunity, it doesn't mean you're responsible for that. It's like statues coming down. It's like, well, that's my issue. It's like, well, yeah, but it doesn't mean that we're saying you're the problem. It's just that history needs to be told, etc. And he's definitely the kind of person, as you guys both said, the whole go with the gun thing. It's like, oh no, I definitely need to write this. It's like, why? Why do you need to do this? It's because I have a compulsion. Is it because it, you're fucking insane? I don't. I don't know if I agree that he would be a storm the capital guy, but he would definitely be a. Um, my ancestors fought for the south, but they did it for states' rights, not oh, for. Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah, it's yeah, you're yeah. nailing it. You're nailing because it. Because yeah. it's the exact same thing when he's when it in the second one when they you know accuse his ancestor of being in league yes. with 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 Booth. Wilkes Booth. Yeah. It's that thing of yeah, like I I I can't endure this like besmirching of my ancestors. I can't I can't endure the fact that they were like maybe imperfect, you know. Which and again, I, if you start analyzing the history of the founding fathers, if you yeah, it's like, phrase, the first people who signed American the fucking rebels as it were. Yeah. They're not fucking saints and messiahs. Yeah. They didn't want that as a society. They want to be deified. It was like we're gonna, you know, have a free nation. Sure, fine, that's I get that entirely. And also like the idea of like, you know, oh if if someone if someone uh challenges my my view of my ancestors, I'm going to fucking go move heaven and earth to make sure that I'm right. It's like you're talking to a country where like a significant chunk of people's ancestors seceded from the country. Yeah. Like it's uh, literally, I don't, and this is the thing about history in general. You have to go in with a sort of sense of uh, perspective, neutrality and all those sort of things. If you go in with the whole, I'm looking for this. It's like, 
you're only going to find darkness unless you lie or burn yeah. evidence. And that's what National Treasure is fantastic. Like, all these things survive. It's like, oh, we've got this, you know, old bit of a ship. It's like, who the fuck? How, this is the dumbest ship. Well, it's this dumb treasure hunt. I'm like, you have to use this specific pipe on this specific boat. And is it half of these things wouldn't exist? You <laughs> lost them all. Like, to, yeah. But anyway, point is, silly farce, but entertaining at times. That sort of falls apart, but it has been enduring and a big cult hit in a way. Even though it was a success in the first, it's not exactly mm. a cult hit, but an enduring one, mm. like Shrek. <laughs> it's not like Shrek. It's not like Shrek. It's not like Shrek. <laughs> Today's episode is sponsored by Audible, the audiobook service with a huge library of thousands of audiobooks and podcasts and comedy specials. Um, it's something I've been using for quite some time. I know Jack has an account as well. And um, it's, it's the kind of thing whereby, I, I mean, I, I, again, I'm a bookseller. I read a lot and it's nice to have a book on the go, basically, or a couple of books on the go uh, to listen to. And the the range and selection available is really really impressive i've been listening to uh yukio mishima's spring snow which is the first of the sea of fertility tetralogy and again i I own it on in a hard uh sort of paperback sort of uh hard copy version and it's nice to have another version i can listen to casually whenever i want dip into the story and just yeah just sort of drift away with it so if you'd like a 30-day trial and one free book on us uh you can head to audibletrial.com slash sequel the link is also in the show notes. So go and click that. Nice and easy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I agree with you, man. I've been using Audible for years and years and years. And when I'm not listening to podcasts and stuff, which I do a lot, I also listen to audiobooks. And it's great for just, yeah, getting some more yeah. information in your brain, whether that's nonfiction or the latest novels. The or... history of American presidents. There we go. Yeah. If you want to educate yourself on American history, not through the National Treasure movies, <laughs> go and check out the options on Audible. Today's podcast is also presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co. So P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And be sure to add our podcast, Sequelizers, in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. And now, on with the show. So as is tradition on these here sequelizing shores, the fresh shores of a new America, if you will, talk about some Rotten Tomatoes, shall we, gentlemen? Yep. As I said, it's a franchise, except there's only two movies, so nice and easy. National Treasure 1 from 2004 and National Treasure 2 Book of Secrets from 2007. Matthew. Yeah. Since you're the one that's fixing the second movie. Yeah. What do you think the first movie has got on the old tomatometer? Low. Okay. I'm going to be bold. I'm going to do like a bit of a the mummy kind of thing because I think these things are viewed badly when it comes to the history and confusion and international audiences and the schlock of it all, despite the fact that it made money. I'm going to say 58. 58 for National Treasure 1. Mr. Tim Matum, what do you reckon for National Treasure 1? Uh, if these films score better than The Mummy, I'm going to be really fucking angry. <laughs> it's going to be my Jack's Hellboy. Uh, rage. Yeah. Um, uh, it's the blade, blade rage as well. Blade rage. Blade rage. Jack. Jack studied the blade. Um, <laughs> my nickname. My childhood nickname is Blade. That's all I'm saying. Still okay. Uh, it's a thing. I'm... Ask my dad. Fucking hell. Ask my dad. He, he left a clue. He in knew. A museum. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I agree with Matt, but I. Um, I also think. I think it's seventies, Tim. High 70s, Tim. 90s, Tim. Because they're competent. The first one is competent. 
it's and it was of a period where this is it was Da Vinci Code at the height of its popularity. Mm. I think I mm, I feel like I probably prefer these to the Da Vinci Code. Yeah, they're much fucking films. better. Yeah, it's Ron Howard. Safe pair of hands, Ron Howard. But it doesn't have that air of fucking uh, superiority. Doesn't have that like, Nicolas Cage energy. The dour seriousness of like, we're gonna bring down the church with our yeah. findings. It's like, oh Jesus, how are we gonna do that? An anagram. Oh yeah. fuck off. I'm gonna say sixty-seven for the first one. Okay. Okay. Cool. I've got the scores for the Da Vinci Code and for the first Mummy and Mummy Returns. We'll get to That's those in a moment. You're not guessing them. We've already done up. the Mummy, so we're not doing that. Uh, and we've already talked about the Da Vinci Code, funny enough. Previously, that's been that's come up before. Mm. Not that we've sequelized it, but you know, Angel and Demons is a better film. Uh, agreed. Yeah, not much, but yep. Yeah. On to National Treasure Two: Book of Secrets. Matthew, what do you reckon? You already went in in the fifties. Yeah, I think people have been tired of the same old thing with no real. It's just like no treasure, but it's like yeah, the whole Seagull thing is very unsatisfactory. So I'm going to say thirty-nine. Okay, Tim. Yeah, I was thinking thirties. Because we we haven't really we didn't we talked a lot about history and 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 Real Nicholas stuff. Nicholas Cage but like yeah the second film's so unsatisfying like the villain is, yeah. the villain is a really like bad like Ed Harris is doing okay acting but like it's such a weird role that he has to play where he's like the villain and then about two thirds of the way he just kind of gives up being a villain and he's just like I'll just find the treasure with you it's fine that's because he too. He's a patriot. Yes. Uh, but he's a patriot with a granddaddy who had a southern yeah. granddaddy. Therefore, uh, you know what? I don't but, get, but also, we're not really going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about that. No, no, um, no, no. So, yeah. Let's, I want credit. <laughs> let's, let's go 32. Oh, we're very close on that second one. Uh, the first one is a 46 percent on the tomatoes. You both overshot, my friends. Fuck me. I was thinking maybe, like, I thought my son said 50, I was like, mm, maybe more like 68. Yeah. Shit! Audience score, however. Oh, here we go. Here we go. 30% higher at 76%. That's, that's why this that film got sense. a sequel as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, it made 300 and something yeah. million dollars as well. Second one, not a signature sequelizer drop-off because that would take it into the negative <laughs> scores. <laughs> yeah, fucking hell. Only drops by 10%. Down to 36. Oh, what did we say? You had 39 and 32. Oh, yeah, yeah. So 39 is ever so slightly closer. So there you go. 67% on the audience score for that one. Yeah, I think it. Yeah. I, the, the audience score, actually, I'd probably say is probably closer to my actual estimation. Although I'd say like 68 for the first, if I was, again, if I was saying you know, what I'd expect it to be properly, 68 for the first one, about 45 for the second. Yeah. I'd be okay with that. But these seem quite low. Yeah. To follow up, is so. Uh, yes, I've got the Da Vinci Code, and I've got both Mummy and Mummy Returns here, and I'm going to compare those scores to these scores. So my next question to you is, with between the Mummy and the Mummy Returns, obviously the Mummy Returns is the lower score here. My real question is, is the Mummy Returns higher or lower than National Treasure 1's 46%? Do you think the sequel to the Mummy is scored higher or lower on the tomato meter? Which, by the way, listeners, if you're new to this, Rotten Tomatoes is not an aggregated percentage score from all the reviews. That is the percentage of positive reviews, which is a 6 out of 10 or more, or the equivalent of. So this is 46% of reviewers gave it a 6 out of 10 or more, not it's a 4.6 out of 10 overall, that kind of thing. So just to be clear, if you're new to sequelizers and new to the tomatometer. Yeah. But yes. I think... 
I don't remember. We covered this a month. Sorry, a month. A year and a half ago, we covered the money yep. stuff, and I've forgotten it all already. But I'm going to say lower. Tim, what do you reckon? We're dealing with 40, yeah. 46% is the I, cutoff point. Here. I think because we were the, the, first, mummy the first mummy is sign significantly better, so I would be very angry. Second mummy's got a lot of bad CGI and a lot of nonsense and a lot of annoying children. Um, so I think, yeah, I think, I think mummy returns will be lower. Okay. The good news is the first mummy is nowhere near these scores. Good. It is higher. It's 61. It's too Still low. Too low. Far too, too low. low. We talked about this, as you said, Matt, about a year and a half ago when we did this. The Mummy Returns, however, is 1% higher. At 47%. <laughs> so, not the worst Mummy film, because it's not the worst Mummy yeah. film, not even close. Fuck no. But the one we fixed, the, the first bad one in that franchise, is higher than the only good one in this franchise. And then we turn our eyes to Mr. Dan Brown, Mr. Ron Howard. Mr. Hanks, in 2006, The Da Vinci Code. What do you reckon, gentlemen? Sea of controversy. Higher or lower than 46 from the first National Treasure movie? I'm going to say much higher. Yeah, I think higher. 26% for wow. The Da Vinci Code. That film. I give it a bad review, but fucking hell. It's a piece of shit. It yeah. is a piece of shit, yeah. I, I thought people would be more, oh, fuck me, man. And even the audience score isn't that much higher. I mean, it yeah. is much higher, but it's still 57. <sighs> which is more kind of what I was expecting. Yeah. When I saw that 26 for Da Vinci Code, I was like, hello. Da Vinci That's Code a is juicy terrible, number. to be fair, yeah. So you go National Treasure 1, 46. National Treasure 2, 36. Da Vinci Code, 26. Just mm. keeps dropping off and off and off by 10%. Was interesting that comparison. Yeah, you mash the kind of like pulpiness of the mummy to the conspiracy bullshit of Da Vinci Code. Yes, you kind of get national treasure. It pretty much is the midway point between the two. Yeah, because it's you have some nice Venn diagram. It's more self-serious than than the mummy, but it's much less so than the yes Da Vinci Code. Nowhere near as sexy as the mummy. But they all have the exact same puzzle-solving bullshit. Yeah, yeah, ancient puzzle bollock. Yeah, better fix it then. Well, there Better we go. fix it. Time to fix it, Matthew. Okay, so let me let me just put a caveat here. America, accurate. Um, I decided to write a national treasure sequel. Thank God for that. That's a key. If, if sentence he didn't, to if this. he didn't, then would be. I could have done something that was interesting and, <laughs> <laughs> and challenging. Oh, I see you meant it in that way. Yeah, and off the wall. What I did was I wrote another national treasure movie. Oh no. And Pre prepare for all of the references to go way over my head, Matthew. Uh, don't worry. My questions at the end will be who, They're what, that, where. Yeah, I know, what? I know. They're explainers, and I'm I'm unashamed of this because I think yeah, fuck it, this is what it is. And I have two titles I was working with. Oh, interesting. I've um, I've done that quite. A few and times. I'm going to throw them out to you guys to say which one you go with. I, I mentioned this in my Rambo pitch last week. Like, yes, similar, yes, similar, entirely, similar yeah. kind of thing. Like. I'm not married to that idea. Yeah. There's a couple of different blood kind of themes you yeah. can go with and stuff. So I basically had one. I literally changed it yesterday. I had one where I thought, that makes sense. And I thought, I have one that Disney would put out there. <laughs> so my film is called either uh -oh. International Treasure. That's it. Oh, okay. Okay. Or the Disney one, National Treasure. Possibly the two in there. Probably not. Yeah. Liberty, equality, freedom. Oh, I hate that second one. Matthew. I know, but Disney would love it. Uh, yeah. America would love the second one. 
I prefer the first one because of course I do. See, Insatiable Treasure was my niche, was the I had originally, and I thought this feels more like what Disney would end up calling it. And and something interesting we didn't really touch on comparing one to two. We yeah, we mentioned that the first one is basically set on the in the Eastern United States exclusively. Mm. As you mentioned in Tim's synopsis, and I was talking about it earlier, you go to Paris, you go to London. It's international treasure in the second one. Yes. It's no longer a national treasure. He's going all over the place. He's James Bond in this motherfucker. He's just yes. wandering yeah. about and flying, I guess, even though they complain they have no money and stuff. <laughs> even they made loads of money. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. It's America in general. Yeah. yeah. If anything, international treasure works as a better title for the actual real life book of mm. shadows. Book of secrets. <laughs> I can't, I can't stop book saying of secrets. It. Yeah. Because the book but, of secrets only thing turns up at the end. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. International treasure kind of makes a bit more sense because you've got one half in Buckingham Palace, one half in the Oval Office, all this yeah. kind of stuff. International makes more sense. <laughs> so, we'll so see they, they the can pitch. have that one in real life. Yes. Retroactively. Tell you what, I would say that this is going to be one of those perfect examples. I've, I don't think we've done this yet on sequelizers. I'm going to have both titles. I'm going to have one as an American release title I, I and one as an international release title yeah. in the same way like Welcome to the Jungle and The Rundown. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, there we go. Yeah. So, it's got two titles because I'm a dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not sure how I feel about Liberty, Justice, Freedom. Um, liberty, equality, freedom. Liberty, equality. But still, freedom. I did that intentionally because it's also wrong. But I'll come back to that later. <laughs> um, but I feel like there's a lot of American phraseology that you could pull out and just stick as a colon that's better than Book of Secrets. Oh, entirely. By the way, the, well, 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 you'll see hopefully why I've gone to liberty, equality, freedom later. Because um, that was a specific pick. Because you're right, you're like, don't tread on me and all those sort yeah. of iconic American phrases and live free or die hard. Yeah. No, live free or die. All kinds of shit that you can actually pluck out of that thing. But no, this one was a very specific one. A, for a, a good day reason. to live free. Am I right, guys? A Shut good up. day to national treasure. <laughs> <laughs> a good day to steal the Declaration of Independence. Now, this is going to rile a certain people. Riley. Um, Nicholas Cage? Out. No, I'm, I'm sticking Recasting. with John Turtle, Talbot's director. Okay. He is wholly inoffensive. Mm -hmm. I don't... I, don't not, I think I, anyone else who got a replacement would be fine. I'm not saying he's a Ron Howard. Oh, Ron but, Howard did cross my mind. <laughs> but he's kind of a... But yeah, he's, he's a Brockheimer person. He yeah. is very much and in vain of... Yeah. Nick, Nicholas Cage clearly gets on with him because he did uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice with him as he well. Did, exactly. Oh, yeah, and yeah. again, it's that old man direction. Don't move the camera too fast. Don't make it... <laughs> keep it nice and slow. Keep up with the pace. And I'm like, if you want to make a sequel to this thing and do... Again, if you do a National Treasure and you have a Bay-esque sort of yeah. feel into it, or even like, I've got Paul Greengrass directing and like, oh god, yeah, no, no one's going to want to watch that show. I mean, no, no one. It might be much, much well, better. That, yeah. that but... turns into Taken 3, where you have old man jumping over thing and you need 25 cuts yeah. to see poor old Nicolas Cage jump over a fence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> precisely. So I'm just going to turtle tab again, basically. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Like you said, inoffensive, it, he's in the right kind of branding. To Tony stuff. Scott and just Tony fuck, fuck shit up. Just make it I'm more crazy, for... crazy and religious. Ridley's gone. <laughs> I've got an idea for the cinematography. Yeah, I don't even need to see that. <laughs> Returning cast, Benjamin Franklin Gates, Nicolas Cage, Abigail Gates. Oh. Uh, Diane oh. Kruger. I, that took me a second there. I have one second of animosity between them, and that's it. The rest of them just working together as a team. Just banging. Good. Just banging the whole time. <laughs> banging, Riley's just crying in the corner. <laughs> uh, actually, Riley Poole, still in the film, played by Justin Bartha. Oh, yeah, fine. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Henry Gates, John Voight. Yep. Cool. New cast, Maximilian Francois. Oh, no. oh, 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 international treasure indeed. <laughs> Monsieur. Monsieur Gates. <laughs> uh, Lambert Wilson, <laughs> Christopher Lambert. <laughs> <laughs> 
Lambert with oh song. Oh my god. No. Can we please? Right. But <laughs> before we got to the pitch, Matt, first please, note. Yeah. Christopher Lambert <laughs> as um, the villain. It's not Ghost Rider 2, man. Come on. It's Ghost Rider 3. Uh, and most people go, who the fuck is that? He was the Merovingian in Matrix. Yeah. And he's in Sahara and Babylon AD and Ernest and Celestine and that. Sort of so, yeah, he's, he's a go to French person who isn't Jean Renault. And for the 2007, it's like, ah. oh, yeah, I know that guy. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. If, it was, if it was like 2012. It'd be Jean de Jean Jardin, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, or Vincent Cassel, if it was a little bit, or even then it could be Vincent Cassel. There are a handful of people I thought, yeah. Well, if we needed a capoeira break through lasers, then we'd get Vincent <laughs> yes. Cassel, yeah. I admittedly had thought of an, a different French actor entirely. I thought, nobody knows who this guy is. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Nobody fucking knew who Diane Kruger was. That's true, yeah. So I thought, well, yeah, but I thought, no, 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 let's, let's, again. Sometimes I, I, de we... I definitely forgot Diane Kruger was in this. And I was like, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah, that is Diane Kruger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she's great. Like, and it's, it's yeah. kind of the thing whereby when you're doing these movies, you obviously want to, uh, and sequelizing, I should say, you want to make a better version. You want to do something that's good. Sometimes like with Jack with the saw pitch, you want to just tiny tweak to make yeah. it work and things. Sometimes you do a huge overhaul, whatever it is, like with, the, with Tim's um, time-traveling Austin Powers 3. But you still go, this is in the vein of this film. Your saw pitch made much more sense because you've made those changes. Your Austin Powers film, both of them felt like they belonged to that franchise and yeah, they yeah. slot in much better. So I've done that, basically. And prepare your asses for some history and mm -hmm. i had to purposely stop myself because i saw my wife about this you and went i was like too far well it's, it's like oh the history almost Don't entirely works this is all actually it's except too for, accurate yeah except for like the main <laughs> through line of the, the this treasure bit it's like yeah this history is correct and like oh that's not national treasure matthew yeah so accurate I, had to history. Train, I had to try and botch a few things but it's like like maybe we'll just do this it's <laughs> like oh no that does line up Shit. i love the idea that that's actually what happened when they were writing national treasure they were like you know, that, you, you, know, you know that that actually happened, right? Like, shit. Um, I mean, we could just add an extra step in there and make it more complicated so it didn't happen. Like, perfect. Nailed it. Good. Yeah. Make it more complicated so it's not as accurate. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Fictionalize that. <laughs> so, same year, same sort of shit. I'm making... Oh, it's sticking in 2007. 2007. Cool. Okay. I'm, a lot of this is the same in, in an element. I've just made it different and tie into the first one. Cool. Ready? Cool. Any questions before we go? So just just Lambert Wilson is new cast. Oh yeah, that's it. Wow. And I'm actually think, thinking back if there's any like surprise G people. Generic henchman? Any Christopher Lambert in there? Fuck no. Oh. He's blind. <laughs> where's Where's the restless man? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, is my name Jack Lawrence Wilkes Booth Chambers? <laughs> no. You want Jacques Rougeau, a French Canadian wrestler in there? <laughs> no. The The Mountie. Chris Benoit. The oh. Quebecers. Not Chris Benoit. Oh, he's long dead. Don't yet. And awful. Yeah. Um. No. Speaking got... of cancelling people, fucking hell. Oh, I know. It doesn't I know. get much worse than that. He's a monster. No, I've got no wrestlers in my film. No cool, amazing. It's just a tree. Oh, some extra stunt guys who are usually in these kind of films. You may recognize them from maybe another National Treasure movie. Like, mm. oh, that guy. Or, oh, look, he's from another <laughs> Disney live action thing. Yeah. Maybe they're going to be in like Jungle Cruise. Who the fuck knows? Yeah. Right. That's it. Very straightforward. The plot. A few years after the events of National Treasure, we open on a US colonial manor as a red Ferrari pulls up outside. He has the Ferrari still. Okay. Yeah. He's still a dick about driving it, though. As Riley Poole steps inside, he narrowly avoids a vase. Vase? I didn't say vase. America. Yeah, what the fuck? As Riley Poole steps inside, he narrowly avoids a vase hurtling toward him. Riley coyly quips as Abigail appears and drags the new arrival into the ongoing argument with her husband, Ben. Through the fairly mundane spat, we learn that the trio are preparing for a visit to a conference being held in Europe, oh. where they have been invited as guest speakers. The Gateses. <laughs> because I have real problems with the fact that... Gateses? Gateses. 
The Gates Eye. Yeah. Yeah. The Gateses finally put their issues aside. <clears throat> Sorry. The Gateses finally put their issue aside and turn on Riley, inquiring how he plans on getting all three of them and their luggage to the airport in his sports car. Mm-hmm. So immediately, it's just them having a, 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 this is the couple we're so familiar with, but they're happily married, but it's like, I can't pack all this thing. It's like, well, maybe you should do this. It's like, oh, they're now an arguing married couple to start with, at least. Because if I had them just being nice to each other from the start, I'd be like, are these the same people? <laughs> just, to, just to ease us in. And Riley's still a prick. And they're like, but then they, they're both kind of shitty people because they both decided to seal the Declaration of Independence. So they just turn around like, Riley, what are you thinking? It's like, uh, he's like, oh, insert line here. So Fair. there we go. That's how we're starting. Following a title sequence, we are shown several establishing shots of Paris before finally settling on the Louvre. The aforementioned conference is not only a celebration of international artefacts, but a serious symposium on where said pieces should reside, with several nations demanding the return of stolen goods. Ooh. History shit. Yeah, Yeah. history shit right there. Riley and Abigail, with Riley doing little more than standing and smiling, (laughs) take the fairly (laughs) neutral position that rare and delicate examples of history should be housed in the safest possible place regardless of their point of origin. America. That's how all museums always yep, pull yeah, back yeah. on. Oh, it's safer here. Their talk, however, is interrupted by an individual in the crowd. Ted Harris. <laughs> My granddaddy. <laughs> uh, the heckling becomes more intense as the man in question, Maximilien Francois, makes his way on stage and claims to have evidence that the treasure uncovered by Riley and the Gates family was in fact gifted to France as thanks for its involvement during the US Revolutionary War. That's some history shit right there, Matt. I assume mm. you're correct with that. Well, no, because the national treasure is fake. <laughs> but yes, France did help America out. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. That's, that's, that's what I mean. Yeah, 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 the only yeah. reason America beat Britain during the Revolutionary War because France helped. Yeah, and yeah. then America said, "Don't worry, we'll always help you." And then America Revolution said, "No, we had agreement with the king, and he's dead now, so fuck you." Again, similar and, to how Britain wanted to get involved and support. Yeah, like yeah, we, we, we want to get them like, back. Why, for why wouldn't years you want to help fuck the English over? We fought the French for hundreds of years, yep. so the French wanted to get back. Yeah, the Louisiana Brits. Purchase, all this other bullshit, and then Jefferson was like, "We have to help them." It's a whole fucking thing. Mm. But also, more importantly, the time this film's being released, America's still talking about Freedom Prize. Yeah. And like oh, we God, need to yeah. change it, like France yeah, or cowards. It's still the two thousands. So, it's like, it? yeah, yeah. so who's the enemy in this one? France. Like, ah, carry on. The room bursts into confusion, but Maximilian produces a copy of the document handed down through his own family. Several historians examine the page, and it does appear to be authentic. And the Americans will have to relinquish all the items and their material worth to the French government. Or you must surrender any- to France. Is it's there anything say- more evil than the French government? <laughs> My God. Controlling art and taking away our freedom. My God. It's bees. <laughs> <laughs> Not the bees! Ah, oh dear. If there aren't bees attacking Nicolas Cage in this match, you've, you've gone, what the French you've is gone awry somewhere. Le bees. <laughs> le bees! <laughs> oh, le bees! No! <laughs> no, le bees! I want to hear the French term of Wicker Man right now. I'm going to call you United States of Bamerica. It's like, what? <laughs> USB! that. <laughs> 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 Get out, take the That's nonsense. <laughs> Sheer nonsense. You're welcome. In a side room, the leads are shocked to resolve themselves to respectfully concur with the evidence. Interesting. These Riley, are more respectful older people. I know, right? Only yeah. for the first five minutes. <laughs> Riley, of course, puts up a fight, realizing he'll have to give up his beloved Harari. Oh no. How mm. is he going to cope with all that character development he's had? <laughs> Something isn't sitting right with Ben, who talks about Franklin, Jefferson, Adams, Hamilton, and Lafayette forming a strong bond between France and the United States until the revolution. That sounds like it could be a musical. <laughs> <laughs> Not throwing away my national treasure. <laughs> <laughs> Abigail notes that the newly presented evidence had part of a sketch on it that didn't seem to fit the time period. 
Riley says it looks a bit like an elephant's trunk. It's just a dick. <laughs> I was about to make sexy eyes with you, Matt, but you just went dick. Just, <laughs> like, just, yeah. just try. It's like, might be an elephant's trunk. It's a dick, son. It's an elephant's ears and trunk. I would definitely. That's the think only explanation. Being Disney, Riley would say it looks kind of like a. You're right, elephant's trunk. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Or the Austin Bird looked like a Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the idea of like, it's um. Nicholas Cage has a couple of moments in both these films where he's like free associating like oh. riddle clues. Yeah. Oh, he does yeah. that a lot. Like, Elephant's trunk, trunk of a car. Car. <laughs> if you, we, yeah, we don't really talk about independence. Yeah. <laughs> you, you literally hear his it's thought cogs. process out loud. Like, yeah, the cogs in his brain stirring. You usually get like, they're just like mumble themselves quietly and then they go, oh, the Declaration of the Independence. Oh my God, yeah. The best course. one is when they're like, um, I don't understand. And then Riley says, oh, hang on. I know something you don't. Yeah. Mm. Like, what is it, Riley? Tell us now. No, no, no. I know something about history that you don't know. And he just yep. milks it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the, those bits where he's like, drunk, drunk. <gasps> yes. Oh, my God. It's my thing. God. Yeah. yeah. I, I put a few my God moments in here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be fair, I quite like that they include those and that he has a few bits where he's like, no, that's nothing. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, not like the Sherlock Holmes thing with Benedict Cumberbatch going, "Oh, is it this?" And yeah. it's like, yeah, no. because if, if anything, that dials down the arrogance of of Ben in that case. He's flawed. You, yeah, he has flaws. He he doesn't come to the, the the conclusion straight away. He doesn't, as you said, perfect comparison to Cumberbatch's Sherlock in particular, where he disappears into his mind palace and can solve any problem. Yeah, turns out the whole episode has been in his mind because mm-hmm. he's such a genius. He's fifteen steps ahead of everyone. Yeah. yeah. Fuck off. It's, it's, like, it's like he's going through his mind palace and looking for things and it's like, dog, dog, who let the dogs out? No, not yeah. that one. It's like, ah, that's a dog home. Maybe. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? You're like the yeah. shittiest Google search. Have you guys seen the Pete Holmes version of Sherlock where he does Probably. the whole like, um, well, you, you must be an alcoholic because there's scratches around your phone because well, you have shaky hands and you're trying to put the charger into your phone. Like, I've, I've been teetotal for 25 years. It's, like, it's just really hard to plug in your charger sometimes. <laughs> Well, no, 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 that, that, that can't possibly be right. Um, and I see there's a slight hint in your eye. Hmm, yes, perhaps an origin. Hmm, German. Born in Ireland. It's like, well, hmm, yes, well, quite. Um, <laughs> and he just comes out with all these deductions that are completely, wrong. completely yeah. wrong. Yeah. Only child. One of four. I'm like, fuck's sake. <laughs> I, I would love Ben Gates to do that kind yes. of stuff. <laughs> well, a bad Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. <laughs> My God, it's the Liberty Belt. It's, it, no. Oh, I mean the entire estate building. No. <laughs> Riley says it looked a bit like an elephant's trunk, a.k.a. a Johnson. Obviously. And both Abigail and Ben rush around before Riley is caught up with what's going on. They quickly explain that Napoleon, oh my God, yeah. commissioned a statue from Dominique Vivant and the first director of the Louvre after Napoleon's Egyptian campaign. Frustrating. I wrote this thing thinking that'd be quite funny. And I looked and thought, oh wait, this is correct. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that... The main bit you got, or was there There's multiple bits? Oh, okay, good, good. I was linking natural that, links. That's the only bit of history in the film. That <laughs> <we were bit. laughs> no, I like, meant like that's the only bit that actually happened because no, natural ton, treasure no. goes off on bollocks. Tons of shit. Okay, and then and then as Tim said, I took the real thing and maybe just made it a little bit sidelined. Mm-hmm. Like, that's possible. Yeah, good. The team used their wit and guile to break into the director's office. That's another sequence that's like five, six minutes of yeah, flagging of course, yeah. and like, oh yeah, yeah, lovely flowers. Yeah, yeah, and locate a hidden compartment marked with the Louvre's seal. I don't think the Louvre has a seal, so they're just going to make one up. Yep. Build L. Or Fair enough. Or the, the big triangle. pyramid. Yeah. Big yeah. pyramid. Yeah. Tim. Yeah. It's a big glass pyramid outside. There we go. Yeah. 
Inside is an antiquated notebook that bafflingly, bafflingly has an original version of the Great Seal on it. The Great Seal is an American seal with the eagle and the shit. So that's like yeah, he kiss my rose and stuff, right? <laughs> Motherfucker. Ba -da -da, ba -da. I'm, I want Seal to just walk in at this place. Like, He's the director of the, the Louvre Great now. Seal. <laughs> Inside, a page has been torn out which not only matches up with Maximilian's evidence, but does indeed reveal the image of an elephant with a schematic of what appears to be pipes underneath it. Before our heroes can discuss their findings, a barrage of security guards bursts through the door, headed by Maximilian, who simply mutters, I had a feeling you wouldn't take the snooze easily, but uh, I never figured you for trespassers. In that most ridiculously condescendingly, not, you know, enhancing the French accent for yep. American audiences. Yeah. Riley then counters by reeling off their previous crimes before being told to shut up by the Gateses. Because that's the kind of like, well, actually, we've done this. Like, shut <laughs> up, Riley. <laughs> or I beat you again. <laughs> a daring action scene then sees the group escape and take off into the city. Again, it's like a 15 minute Classic sequence. Classic equalizers. Yeah. Cool shit happens, daring escape, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. You end up focusing more on the plot heavy stuff to get the minutia, but in terms of like when Tim was doing the synopsis earlier, a, a short they sequence. They break into the Oval Office. They yeah, break into Buckingham Palace. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Now this is a thing. Yeah, yeah. It's fun, but also quite tame. <laughs> yeah. As they get changed. In urban outfitters. Mm. Ben and Abigail tell Riley about the Elephant of the Bastille, a fountain topped with a huge bronze elephant that was supposed to mark the site of the Bastille, but was never completed, eventually replaced by the July Column. Now, Jack, you know about this, right? Nope. You watched Les Miserables, didn't you? Oh, yeah. It's a big yeah, old elephant. Yeah, that's, yeah. 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 That's the whole thing. Nailed it. Yeah. History. <laughs> Rather than this being uh, a dead end, though, Ben believes that the column was built on top of an already existing foundation, meaning that if they follow Vivant's blueprint, they may uncover a clue to solve the mystery. They don't, and they get arrested. <laughs> <laughs> the end. Arriving at the July column, the group pose as tourists. Makes sense. And make their way around before seeing the seal. Of the Louvre. Not, poses what they are. Not Kiss from a Rose. The same one from Vivant's office. Pressing the button activates an old mechanism and a capstone slides aside to reveal an entranceway. Descending down, they find a series of tunnels lined with the bones of the dead. They're descending into the catacombs. Yeah, is that the Correct. That thing? Yeah. Ben assumed the lines on the schematic were pipes for the fountain, but they were, in fact, tunnels. Abigail is astonished to see a porcelain skull. Distinctly different from, oh god, we're not going Crystal Skull territory. Aliens. Crystal Skull and Aliens, Matthew. Let's just wait and see if the aliens This is the out. year before Crystal Skull. Aliens. Oh no. Oh no. Abigail is astonished to see a Crystal Skull. No. See a porcelain skull mm. distinctly different from the others, bearing the name Gilbert de Mottier. Gilbert de Mottier, yeah. Gilbert. Sorry. Riley asks who that is, and Ben replies it's the full name of revolutionary hero, Marquis de Lafayette. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Removing the fake skull reveals a leather-bound journal penned by the Marquis himself. The pages then explain that the construction on the column is to start immediately, which ended up being the year after Lafayette's death, to hide the evidence beneath. Abigail spies that the journal was covering a cloth bag, inside which is a small golden goddamn eagle. Just to clarify, a golden eagle is a real bird in Britain. Not that. It's just a golden statue of a oh, bird. Oh, I see. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> a, small, a small live bird. <laughs> and covers quickly gates this with me. <laughs> and they just enter the yeah, it's, like, no, oh, it's an eagle. It uh, must be America. I'm just picturing the, uh, the the bit from Arrested Development where it's dead dove, do not eat. <laughs> <laughs> ben Gates says, Don't expect to find that. 
Uh, I want the, I want the gold eagle to be like. Before being able to understand this clue, the capstone begins to slide back, trapping them in the tunnel. Dun 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 dun. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Impressive snake. They get into a cardboard box and escape. Yeah, gates, gates, gates. The group scramble around looking for an exit. A tour group on the uh, underground crypts, the catacombs, which are where these are, uh, you know, multiple skull and bones and do life, are shocked as the bones begin to move and Ben Gates comes tumbling out, followed by Abigail and Riley, who all apologise for exiting. Like the one that been the first one, where there's, there's the janitor guy and they come out yep. in the church and he's like, oh my god, the thing's moving. Do you have a cell phone? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he'd be like, <laughs> oh, excuse me, moi. <laughs> and then oh, Riley would say something like, uh, 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 Poor favor, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you know, we're in, uh, mercy. Dusting themselves off, the team stop at a cafe to analyze the eagle. Ben and Abigail tell Riley that Napoleon's army was headed by an eagle called the Eagle de Drapeau. I might be pronouncing that wrong, and I don't. We have fun. some French-speaking listeners. They'll correct you. Probably on the Discord. I'm happy to be correct. I'm, my French <laughs> is terrible. My um sister-in-law's partner is french mm. and uh i don't speak like very well at all in <laughs> french german things fine french nope anyway much like the roman empire this particular one is much smaller but has a simple inscription on the back matching the inscription to the pages in the journal they learned that napoleon intended to go to war with america oh. but lafayette was determined to avoid it with help from vivant it seems lafayette was aware of the treasure due to his friendship with the founding fathers and when napoleon learned of it he intended to reclaim it for France, knowing that Louis XVI's support for the United States' independence, um, despite Britain, bankrupted France. Ah, right, yeah. yeah. That's, That's true What history. you mentioned earlier, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, the journal doesn't say much more as the project was given to Vivant to complete in the event of Lafayette's death. The only clue referenced in the book is an allusion to Napoleon's Egyptian campaign. Ooh. So it's tying into the mummy. <laughs> I'm... Just saying that it's going to be a mummy who's an alien. Just get ready for it. Yep. Not an alien. Different dimension. Sorry. Interdimensional beings that look like fucking aliens. Yep. Jonesy! Jonesy! <laughs> part time. <laughs> part time. I'm part time. Exiting the cafe, one of the tour group from the crypt point out the Americans to a policeman. The officer realizes they are the individuals who broke into the Louvre office and there is a warrant for their arrest. Nonsense, but the, definitely the kind of thing that would happen in a stupid movie. Yeah, the gendarmes. I recognise them. How, how do you, a regular fucking yeah. street mm. bobby, recognise that? Le bobby. Recognise that shit. Anyway, sorry. Give on my mobile phone. <laughs> uh, he calls in the sightings, and a grand chase across Paris takes place as Ben and Abigail try to decipher the clue. Thanks to Riley's ownership of a Ferrari, he is <laughs> able to evade the police and asks where to. Hold on, he brought the Ferrari no, with no, him. Because he's good at, he's learned how to drive a Ferrari properly. Oh, okay. So he actually can do it. It's like, it's a moment like, like where Riley gets to go like, you know, Riley gets to go, oh, I can do this. Yeah. It's like, you're really good at this. Like, buy a Ferrari. He's, he's yeah. improved his driving yeah. since so the first one where he cool driving chews sequence. up the garden. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Yeah. So now it's a cool driving sequence. Nice. The couple respond, the National Library of France. Riley smiles and hits the accelerator before slowly coming to, an coming to a stop and admitting he has no idea where that is. Of course. Yeah, very Disney moment. The police report is intercepted by Maximilien, who rounds up a series of henchmen to check a map of the city before realising where they may be heading. This is a tiny beat, but a very important one. To establish that Maximilien is a bad guy. Mm. Not because it's like, oh, he just wants things back. He has this thing. We don't really, it's like Ed Harris, like, don't really know he's a bad guy. He mm. kind of is, but he kind of isn't. This one's like, ah, uh, but he's listening to the police frequency. That can't be good. Yeah. yeah. Got henchmen. Nobody he has good henchmen. has henchmen. No. You're friends, buddies, but not henchmen. 
With Riley staying in the car, hacking the security feed and communicating via radio, Ben and Abigail enter the National Library and make their way into secure areas with no cameras, so Riley is unable to assist. To locate a first edition print known as the Imperial Edition of the Description of Egypt, the document that birthed Egyptology. You a bit of an Egyptology guy, Matt? I like Egyptology. Yeah, yeah. Emma's a big Egyptology yeah. person. We have some like papyrus prints of Egyptian art yeah. and stuff. And if you've seen our live streams, they're in the background of the live stream. <laughs> so what, what's uh, Tim's character's name in, uh, in Super Happy Kill Zone? Oh, yeah, of course. Thoth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, we have Osiris and Thoth and yeah. stuff. And yeah, yeah. The campaign that Napoleon was on in Egypt was a fucking disaster, but they came up with all this stuff and started this like, whole study of ancient civilizations. Like, oh, Egyptology, start the whole thing. Makes sense. Leafing through the huge tome, the two adventurers carefully look for anything that could assist them. Abigail notices that when the pages overlap in a certain way, they form an image. The luck is short-lived as they hear the sound of a gun cocking behind them. Maximilien states he is impressed, but doesn't know why they won't just hand over the treasure, especially as this is a matter between governments. Ben then begins inquiring as to who Maximilian is and why he's so invested. He clearly isn't your average historian. True. He's the bad guy with the henchman. Maximilian reveals his full name is in fact Maximilien Francois Danton, and he is a descendant of one of the heads of the French Revolution who is eventually beheaded because everyone in this thing is related to some motherfucker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My grand, Eddie. Damn right. <laughs> he has a vendetta against France for betraying his ancestor and is willing to spark up an age old grudge to bring France down. Riley, hearing everything, is shocked by this, making a quip about never trusting the French. As Brits, you know, we can agree with that, right? Yeah, that's a yeah, good yeah. thing, yeah. Abigail doesn't fully understand as the treasure going to France would surely be a huge boon, but Maximilian explains that the symposium has shone a light on where artifacts should reside and France will be in a catch-22 position, keeping the items and looking like the bad guy or returning them sparking a bigger debate about where the other resources they've plundered and either way, he can act as intermediary and stands to make a lot of money. And there you go. Ben yep. says, that is an absurd plan. That's absurd. Um, at the kind of God, <laughs> you don't understand liberty, you're not a patriot. At the mercy of an armed man, the Gateses are forced to explain their findings thus far. They do. Maximilian uh, says this is perfect, and on top of taking the treasure from America, he can also reignite a war that will once and for all see the end of the American Empire, because he's fucking crazy. Yep. And this is a Disney film. Nice. I will reignite this old war between America and uh, and you will all pay for what happened to my fucking revolutionary great 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 descendant. I assume Danton is a real French revolutionary. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Maximilian Robespierre was one of them, and uh, Danton was the other one. Cool. So as the two mage heads of the cool. revolution. Cool. Forced to continue his decoding, Ben reluctantly reveals that Napoleon's Egyptian campaign was a disaster, and when the French lost Egypt to Britain and Ot uh, Ottoman Turkey, they were permitted to take anything they could carry, meaning they couldn't take Napoleon's grand eternal order. Maximilian asks what this is, and Ben hypothesizes that to save face, Napoleon would have made a grand decree while in Egypt to attack America, and had it carved into something that couldn't be lost or thrown away. Maximilian demands to know what this piece is, and Gates says it's the Eternal Treaty, also known as the Silver Treaty, that is currently in Istanbul. Maximilian smiles and says he has a plane to catch. Before he can pull the trigger, the alarm sounds, and Riley says in their earpiece that he can't see what's going on, but it must be bad, so he panicked and did the only thing he could. A shutter slams to the ground uh, a shutter slams to the floor, dividing the couple and their attacker. Riley says not to thank him yet as tripping the alarm will bring in a lot of police and security. Seizing this opportunity, they escape the building and regroup with Riley. 
big old action scene. Yeah, nice. Old men running about. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Doing that old man run. Get to the car, they're about to get a ticket. Yeah. Back in the car, Riley feels they're now on the verge of an inevitable war with France. Riley jokes they might be okay. <laughs> because <laughs> France always loses surrender, right, guys? Huh? The cowardly French? Fucking Riley. But Ben corrects him, highlighting historically the French have won more wars than most nations. True. Yeah. Abigail interrupts by saying the Silver Treaty wasn't discovered until 20 years after Napoleon left Egypt. Ben says he lied, and there was in fact one artifact. He's doing the switcheroo, He's one lantern thing. Yeah, from yeah, his dad, yeah. 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 And there was in fact one artifact which was too big to carry, so the French historians couldn't take it and it was seized by the British. Riley and Abigail ask what this is, but Ben says, We need to get to London. Showing a montage of sneaking their way onto the Eurostar. <laughs> Brilliant. We see the team make their way from Paris to London. Hmm. This is also real history. There was a thing that what, Nicolas did... Cage getting on the Eurostar? Yeah, he, wow. th- he did travel it and he was told to get off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to London. Right. So this treaty thing is real? The Silver Treaty is real. That's a cool. total treaty that is in Istanbul. Um, and that was the silver twenty years after Napoleon was in Egypt. And also, there was a thing where the British see- and Ottoman Turkey did seize all the stuff and said, you can take anything you can carry. And it's like, this big thing, we want to take it. Nah, we're taking that, son. Right, like, right. Okay, fine. With night falling, we see the British Museum closing for the night. A guard patrols the empty halls filled with colossal relics and antiques before Ben slips in from a side door. Dibbidibbidibbidibbidibbidibbidibbidibbidibbidibbidibbidibbidibbidibbidibbidibbidibbidibbidibbidibbidibbidibbidibbidibbidibbidibbidibbidibbidibbidibbidibbidibbidibb
I mean, that's bullshit. That's real. <laughs> that's there is a, there is a British Museum underground station that is abandoned. Correct. Yes. Yeah, yes. That, that's true. That's, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. again, it's the whole bits of real life. And they did make, apparently, a, a replica version of the um, Rosetta Stone that you could touch and stuff like that. Yeah. But, mm. but this, is, this part's bullshit. Mm -hmm. With great effort, they're able to move the immensely heavy tablet to reveal whatever was there has been planed down, replaced with a new inscription in Latin. Riley, to the surprise of the other two, translates the text, which says that an etching of the original inscription is sitting resolute at Her Majesty's pleasure. Mirror. Matron. Mm. Carry on national treasure, remember again? Okay? <laughs> Trying to figure out what this means, the team deduced that this is referring to the... Re oh, you're doing the resolute desk, Yeah, Matthew. the resolute desk thing, yeah. Is that a real thing? That's real? Yeah, that's real. Yeah, that's yeah. real. To the resolute desk, two of which were commissioned, as we already know mm -hmm. from the actual <laughs> one. Actual two. One for the Queen, Queen Victoria, and one gifted to the American president, Rutherford B. Hayes, who I did not name earlier in my list. You can list name of him presidents. now. Yay. <laughs> Riley doesn't understand, but Ben states, frankly, they need to break into the White House to inspect the desk of the Oval Office. Yeah, that's going to be the bit in the trailer. It's going to be, we need to break in the White House. Yeah, yeah, yep. that's absolutely, yep. Now appreciating the gravity of the situation, Riley passes out. With a little help from Riley, we got obviously cut somewhere else now. Who acknowledges that if they get caught, they could spend time in several international prisons. That's not how that works, but that's the kind of line you expect in this kind of movie. <laughs> the team forged we'll spend 15 years in London and then 25 years in America yeah. and then 40 years in France. They'll be shipping our asses everywhere. Rick. Um. <laughs> <laughs> he does have Morty energy. Oh my God. It happened again. Um. <laughs> my God, you're greasy. <laughs> Uh, yes, yeah, so it's time Mr. Gates, it happened again. <laughs> I just want a Ferrari. They're just burping in his face. <laughs> yes, they admitted about the whole, you know, several international prisons. The team forged passports and returned to the United States because they wanted fugitives. Yeah. The trio are known to the president, but their escapades in France will have caused them to fall out of favor, no doubt. So they can't simply ask to see the desk. Instead, they will need to break into the White House. We need to kidnap the president. Yeah, kill the president. All three admit this is going to be much more difficult than they have presumed, and they will need the assistance of someone who has a vested interest in protecting America. The phone rings at the desk of FBI Special Agent Peter Sadesky. Hey! hey Harvey Keitel, who listens intently before saying, You want to do what? <laughs> that afternoon, at a gala performance at the White House, we see Agent Sadesky. That was another thing in the fucking... Uh, Book, uh, Book of Secrets. Book of Secrets. They have a, I can't even remember the name of the musician. He's like an old country yeah. singer. Oh like, fuck! Yeah, like yeah, this is definitely being aimed at like a very specific audience. Yeah, yeah, fucking hell. That afternoon at a gala performance at the White House, we see Agent Sadusky liaising with the Secret Service, explaining there may be a threat to national security, and his team will need to inspect the building. After a lot of jurisdictional posturing, the Secret Service agents step down, and Sadusky radios his team that it's all clear. Riley, Ben, and Abigail, disguised as agents quietly enter the office and have a moment, taking in the grandeur of the room before focusing on the task at hand. They do kind of, like, it's weird that they take, they go into the Oval Office, which is, you know, it's the seat of, the seat of the power and the, for the these nerds country, yeah. who love yeah. American and they And they use it like, as yeah, a, cool. an opportunity for some sex fast nonsense yeah. and not, like, going, like, oh, my God, this... this I wanted to, that's what I'm saying, like, more like, like can you imagine where we are right now? Yeah. They, yeah. Think, and they literally nerd out and say, look, all the treaties that were signed here. Yeah. This is why this happened. Only 40 whatever people have ever sat in this chair and all this yeah, kind of stuff. Exactly, like, yeah, exactly, yeah. Riley, get out of the chair. That kind of thing, you know. Yeah. That kind of shit. 
Using the details from the back of the Rosetta Stone, Ben and Abigail suspect that the desk is actually sort of a safe, with the drawers acting like tumblers. Bringing that back. Yeah. That's, that was quite a fun thing. No, yeah. I, was saying, I like that. Yeah, yeah that's, I have no problem with that. Classic treasure hunting puzzle type bollocks. Click, it, click, it, click, it click, click. totally makes sense. Yeah, yeah that yeah. kind of stuff. Meaning that when they're pulled out in a certain way, they unlock a hatch. The team all scramble under the desk and begin working through a combination of numbers before settling on 1814 to mark the Treaty of Ghent, when the United Kingdom and the United States declared peace. After we burned down the White House. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> As the latch clicks open, the sound of a door closing causes all three adventurers to pop up. Stood at the other end of the room is the President of the United States, played once again mm -hmm. by Bruce Greenwood. Now, I was going to do a different person, but I like Greenwood hey, as president. Yeah, he's not yeah. bad. Yeah. Do you know what I was going to put in there? Colin Farrell. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> what? I thought he'd be a terrible choice. Why would you pick Colin Farrell when Christopher Lambert is right there? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what are you doing here in my American I president's am, office? I am the president of the United States I of America. I the Oval. <laughs> uh, no, but, but Bruce Greenwood's the most appropriate president, and it, it so well. Yeah, you've yeah, got to bring yeah, him back. Yep, yep. Yep. He can... He can president a starship, he can president a country. <laughs> exactly. Damn right. Who says, can I help you? Riley and Abigail desperately try to work the cover story, but Ben openly just explains everything. Yeah. Oh, we're agents ben. and we're there. Let me tell you, Mr. President, we're here because... My name's Benjamin Franklin yeah. Gates. I'm a big fan. I'm a big <laughs> fan. My great-great-great-great-grandfather was another Gates. And... We actually have a lot in common because yeah. of my great-great... It's like, and fuck I was, off. And I'm a patriot as well. That's, that's Mr. exactly Mr. President. Making his way around the desk, the president takes out the paper from the hidden panel and shows the team the original engraving from the Rosetta Stone, which documents a decree to declare a permanent state of war between whoa, whoa. France and America, whoa, whoa. irreversible by any future ruler, in retaliation for what was considered an unpaid debt. Wow. A somber air hangs in the room before the president adds that this is one of the best-kept secrets of the presidency. The Vivance Journal, which featured the elephant sketch, was given to him by Lafayette, but was first given to him as a gift from Thomas Jefferson, hence the Great Seal and the promise to hand over the treasure. It was always going to be this, that was always the way, because Jefferson loved the French and was going to be this. Right, right, right. It was always part of it. But, you know, things change. We see several flashbacks as the president explains that Alexander Hamilton formed a national army to prepare for war with France, but John Adams was intent to sue for peace, an intention which was enforced by the following president, Thomas Jefferson. He loved the French. He loved the French. And he loved owning slaves. <laughs> loved his slaves, but not enough to free them after he... Uh... Yeah. 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 Napoleon, outraged that America would not directly assist and the current president would no longer hand over the fabled treasure, vowed to conquer the entire country. Wow. Conquer the silly little colony. I find that oh, because the thing is, well, you have to remember that this time you had France kind of owned a bit of America. Oh anyway, yeah, yeah. Louisiana Purchase, you know. So it was like, I'll just take the rest of it. Yeah. Why there's so many French speakers in Louisiana and stuff. Yeah, right? yeah. Okay. Ben explains Maximilian's intention, but the president assures him that it will be taken care of. Riley asks what they will do now, and the president reassures them that they'll simply do the right thing. America always does the right thing, right, guys. Post 9 11, everything's fine. <laughs> America, yay. Over the next few days, we learn that the US has decided to hand over half of the treasure's worth to the French government as a symbol of continued fraternity, but will distribute the actual items to their respective countries to be displayed in their native lands. America the good guy. Perfect. Yeah, of course. We also see Agent Stusky shaking hands with French Interpol agents <laughs> as a group of armed men rush to intercept Maximilian 
as he steps off his return flight from Istanbul. So here we go with some actual, I mean, there's some classic, like um, how America sees itself, how it would be portrayed and the sort of like how I wanted to do this. And this next bit is the most fucking flag waving bullshit <laughs> moment because Mel Gibson walks in playing <laughs> the Patriot from the bed film, <laughs> the Patriot. Riley, Ben and Abigail are celebrating a party at Ben's father's house. You know, mm-hmm. John Voight cameo effectively. Sure. And regaling him with the tale, his father claims it is equally hilarious and preposterous before the family gathering is interrupted with an arrival from the president himself. Oh my god! Because of course, you know, John Voight doesn't believe anything in these movies, mm, yeah. ever. Yeah. Patrick Henry Gates flusters and is beside himself, doesn't know how to react, so starts bowing and then saluting embarrassing his son. Dad, it's the president, come on. <laughs> He's an old friends. friend. Yeah. Be chill. Yeah, we, we're descended from president, probably. Oh. The president explains that Money and artifacts aren't everything. The real treasure that the Founding Fathers fought hard to preserve and protect was peace. And thanks to the Gates team, they have managed to secure that, once again, bringing honour to their country and family name. Before leaving, the President explains they can't tell anyone, of course, emphasising this to Riley, adding he doesn't want to read about it in any of his books. Then says, as a reward for protecting the nation, maybe they could help him with something else that's yeah? been handed down from President oh. to President. No, it's scandals, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> He's got a mistress he needs burying. <laughs> I've got a starship on the go. <laughs> As the president departs, Riley, Patrick and Abigail inquire what the president gave Ben, holding up an old leather-bound notebook with the presidential seal on it, littered with coded entries. Mm. Gates simply responds, I think he gave me a job. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. That'll- this will be good for my taxes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think you just gave me a tax free reward. I think I can, I think the, I can just go in a shop and say I'm the FBI. Said Nicholas Cage in real yeah. life. So what I did with this to carry to, to carry what I said earlier, I tried to make a better national treasure movie. Hopefully, that ties in with the first one. Doesn't have the fucking bickering love story. Answer, just hasn't been just a team who worked together, but very much in the design and feel of these movies. So all the tropey nonsense I've put in there. So. Those who love this movie, the first movie will go, I fucking love this as well, hopefully. And those who are just going, oh God, it's all this shit. It's like, yeah, that's, that's national treasure. Yeah. That's the movie, hopefully. Matt, Tim. A, few, a few criticisms. Please. One. Not enough America. No ghost monkey. Okay, oh, now, yeah, now Tim, to be America. fair, the ghost monkey is a ghost and you can't see it. <laughs> but Nicolas Cage can see it through the whole film. Yeah. It's like the goddamn ghost monkey. It's like, who are you talking about? What are you wanting about? God, the Rosetta Stone covered in ghost monkey poop. Yeah. What's the next reason? Uh... <laughs> that was it. That was it. Just ghost monkey. Um, I'm okay with that. No, uh, I no, I really liked it. I thought there was a really good blend of like history. I think real and bullshit. I think keeping the focus on the founding father. Like obviously the founding fathers have a lot of like slave owning and stuff like that but yeah. the civil war stuff that it mm. tends to focus on in book of secrets yeah. and native american like oh we're gonna find the, this great native yeah. american treasure and like yeah. hang out at mount rushmore like i think the the area of history you've chosen to focus on is a lot smarter well it's, it, a lot of people don't realize how involved lafayette was with both america and the french revolution and how thomas jefferson mm. and franklin they were so you jacked about whole history of time and stuff and mm. these things like yeah right after the american revolutionary war was the french revolution yeah and the french just said you're gonna help right and like uh... and again we mentioned this in previous episodes of stuff the french na- you know french nationals of america were like well you should help our nation right mm. and all, all being locked up it's 
whole thing. It's like, yeah, they were yeah. really closely linked in history. So, and that leads into Napoleon, who everyone kind of recognizes as a national figure. Yeah. Ah, Napoleon, oh, the Louvre. Yeah, yeah, I think I think including Napoleon is a clever idea as well. Um, I'm a little I'm a little disappointed the Marquis de Sade didn't uh, show up as him and Ben know. Franklin once uh, used to hang out. Yeah, oh, being yeah. dirty smut boys. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, dirty smut. It's a, di- it's a Disney film. National Treasure <laughs> Three, dirty smut boys. <laughs> if, if it was a if it was an HBO film, I'd definitely focus on yeah. that. Yeah, but it's a Disney film, dear boy. Yeah. So we can't even acknowledge what the Marquis de Sade is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, I, I I thought it was really good. Um, I was a little. Little disappointed. Maximilian just kind of disappears. Yeah, the I wanted film. to bring him back to the White House at one point, but I thought he'd have to then. It, it's the problem with the Sean Bean thing. You send him off on the errand. He's like, he doesn't know where he's. He, he can definitely manifest and know where mm. he's going sometimes. But it's like, how would he know to get there? How does he get in the White House? Yeah, and then, so I and I wanted to think whether he gets arrested as he goes in the White House, that kind of thing. And you know, it's all part of it. Mm. And I thought that would work, but I thought no. A flight to Istanbul, to Turkey specifically, and then fucking around there while they're going to America and things and times and stuff. It doesn't track well enough, and I know what you mean. I feel like there might be another scene there where the resolution might bring him a bit mm. better, basically. Um, my fallback would be like, eh, kind of did it in the first film. Yeah. But that's, not, that's, that's a very weak defense, and I would happily go with another thing that's, that would improve that, but mm. uh, I can't initially think what that might be at this point. Mm. Another thing is kind of undermines your film oh please go ahead a detail that you may have missed oh what do i say well, yeah, go ahead. which in the first film they say they're going to divide the treasure up between various museums including stuff like the louvre oh, and yeah, that's a good point they do uh, yeah like basically like give it to the world as in not just yes, america it's for i the would people. say that then just to caveat that one i would say that there's an agreement between all the parties that it would go back to the world yeah um rather than just the big European standards. I think, yeah, it's, yes. it's the easiest thing to write around. Yeah, sorry, that's, the, a, that's a very thing. good point. I think I must but, have forgotten that, but it's the cash money that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah, and the artifacts and bits and pieces. Um, but yeah. no, I think, I think touching on the idea of like artifacts going back to their, like where they've come from. Yeah. Um, it's, you know. It's, it's a discussion in history that, this is around the time I think we're starting to get to the point where Germany's about to give the statue of Nefertiti back to Egypt. I mm. think. So, oh, it's, interesting. It's been, right. it's been the thing. Elgin marbles has been a oh, thing, God, like, yeah. basically as long as we've been alive, of like yeah. giving those back and stuff. And obviously, it's now even more so. Black Panther had it featured in there. Yes. Uh, you know, yeah. About Killmonger comes stuff. in and yeah. There's the yeah. bronze oh, things. Killmonger it's... is right thing. Like, oh yeah, entirely. Yeah. yeah. The, the thing from Nigeria, the bronze something or other. Oh, the Benin bronze. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Right. And it's like give them back. It's like no, we have to keep them here. And it's like right. Are they on showing your museum? Mm. No, they're in a box. It's like, mm. then give them back. It's like, yeah. no, because if we, and against the, the legal case mindset, once you set precedent by doing it once, then everyone else can re- request yeah. all the stuff back. But, but yeah, and then because yeah, the, the, the argument they always give is like, ah, uh, yeah, but you see what like um, Al-Qaeda and stuff did in. Yeah. And it's like, well, they blow up all this up. If we had it, it'd be safe. I was like, no, we're safe, motherfucker. It's history. Yeah. Just document it. Anyway, that, that, that's an argument that's constantly ongoing. So I wanted mm. to sort of bring it into this kind of film, basically. Yeah, no, I think I think that's very wise. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I think I think it's um, it solves some of the problems, like say, of like the the areas it chooses to focus on in, mm. uh, uh, and it's um, it's not quite as outlandish in some of the things it does. The president mm. never gets kidnapped. No, I, I wanted um, to make the idea of breaking into the White House is the big scary thing. Going yeah. into the Louvre is like, ah, it's an office in the Louvre. Oh, going in an underground crypt. It's like, yeah, sure. Um, they don't, they go to an underground station and the, mm. and, the, and the National Museum in London, for example, the British mm. Museum, sorry. But they don't break into fucking Buckingham Palace. They don't mm. kidnap the president. It's like, yeah. 
you're going I know still decoration prints is already a huge ridiculous yeah. thing, but it's like And it happens fairly easily in the first yeah. one as well. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I think also you get a better variety yeah. of places in the because when they go they go to France and they don't really Don't really go anywhere. They don't really go anywhere. They look at the small model of the, the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. They stand near the bridge that you see in inception yes um and talk to some oh, french yeah, of police course, yeah. officers mm -hmm. that's about it obviously they go to buckingham palace when they're in the uk but i think british museum and like an abandoned underground station mm. is kind of more interesting than buckingham palace. strange enough yeah i think so too um, and also at... considering when you film the british museum hopefully with the permission of the british mm. museum, or whatever they fucking do with them mm. you see like giant egyptian yeah you know that's the, like, stuff. as terrible as it is as an institution and filled with stuff that we should give back yeah british museums are really cool building it looks amazing with the big old pillars outside and all the stuff inside Literally, yeah. as you walk in the door is the rosetta stone yeah um so it's it's very much like oh yeah we were very proud of this did you find that i mean the french found it is it yours i mean we nicked it yeah <laughs> what do you want um fair fair uh tim's kind of covered a couple of my questions already sure sure my i guess not necessarily a question about this film but What's the third one? What's the plan? Is is that is one. that president book thing a real thing? Have you made y that? Up? Yeah, no. Well, again, it's the whole like open like you can do whatever you want with a sequel with this thing. I don't need particular ideas specifically. Yeah. Um, but two thousand two thousand nine, I would definitely do another national treasure or maybe two thousand twenty ten, and make it a sort of um, expedition through uh, Central America kind of thing, tracking down. Oh, interesting. Yeah, America. Basically, be a a bit of a we need to talk about the alamo and texas and mexico and things like that and touch mm. on some subjects people wouldn't oh, want to talk about and it would be like you know not just the gates family but uniting with someone else going mm. into the whole like, thing like you know mexico and america are actually closer than you think we're actually mm. the same nation mm. did you know at one point this border was in fact mexico and this was why i called los angeles mm. that kind of bullshit yeah. do more west coast stuff mm. and highlight that american history isn't just like the civil war and the revolutionary war but also a lot of stuff and then saying like you know yeah, of, because, as an idea, because the east coast of America has such a British influence, because oh, yeah, we landed first, and so mm. that's the closest New side to us, and New England, and New Hampshire, and New York, like, <laughs> yeah, named after all these places in England and in the UK. Whereas I feel, uh, not necessarily true now, but certainly back in back in mm. the day, the West feels more diverse in terms of languages and in terms of people and stuff like Westbrook that. Westbrook expansion meant more, more people, more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think mm. explore exploring like the latin side of things and we the latin a, history there yeah. would be very interesting and i'd have like, the americans and the mexicans being the good guys working together against the spanish there's plenty because of like old europe versus new America. plenty of like conquistador stuff you can oh, do yeah, and yeah. all kinds of cool stuff there and yeah that's what yeah. i think just the sort of like and again you would learn stuff kind of but it would also be with a tinge of bullshit mm. um but you still go oh interesting um well rather than not to be rude to the Indiana jones stuff which i love indiana jones but it's all bullshit yeah like, okay the ark of covenant's a thing sure yeah but everything else even mm. even like the nazi history stuff is like eh, fucking whatever but that's kind of the point it's like yeah you're i mean the amount of history i put in this film to go actually yeah that's true like yeah vivant i thought oh it'd be cool if it was like the guy who wrote this egyptian tomb and it is like a huge book it's like the size of um it's as long as that sofa is. It's like huge. It's this mm. giant book. Yeah. Huge, beautiful manuscript. It's beautifully written and illustrated. And there's only a few copies in terms of the original design, the Imperial edition. Um, but it's like, oh, Vivant wrote it. I thought, oh, cool. Can I link Vivant back to the fucking Louvre? Let me just quickly check. 
Vivon was the first director of the Louvre appointed by Napoleon. <laughs> 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 <Yes! laughs> Thank you, history. <laughs> um, yeah, th- things like that, for example. And like, oh yeah, Lafayette was like a statesman who was involved. He was like involved with the Revolutionary War. He's a huge part. There's only Lafayette Avenue. Americans would know that word. Yeah. That thing, oh yeah, French Revolution. They know these. They know these things loosely, but also it brings them a European market. Going, actually, we do know this, and we understand what this American thing is. So I think that would all tie in, hopefully, reasonably well. Mm-hmm. But again, still a national treasure movie. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not, I'm not trying to convert anyone to like National Treasure. If you don't like, <laughs> if you movies, like the first one, you might like this one. Yeah. But if you don't, then you probably won't. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Bit yeah. more cohesive, bit more, more sense making, bit more fun adventure romp stuff, but the same sort of character types. Less of the whole like bickering couple bullshit and stupid sex nonsense, and just, just literally, the, you know, they have a little fight at the start because they're rowing over how they want to travel somewhere because they're a couple. Less sexual content, more mild peril. Oh, so much my peril. So much my... And at no National point is anybody in danger in our story. Peril. I don't think any guns are shot in, our, in this new story. <laughs> no, I don't think, yeah, I don't think you said the word gun or I gun shot no, anywhere. No, no. no. Just elephant's trunk. Oh, yeah. Cool. Nicely done, Matt. Thank I you. think it's much more interesting and less full of the bollocks you just listed compared to the actual National Treasure 2. Thank you. I guess next we have to have the Da Vinci Code crossover in the third one. Right, guys? Ron Howard storms in and <laughs> is the firm iron turns, hand. Turns out Aaron Burr is the descendant of Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, God. Everyone is oh, the descendant. Christ. Yeah. Yes, literally. Incidentally, I had actually considered putting Ron Howard as director. I thought, nah, no. Are you, yeah, yeah, he would have been fine. He's a safe pair of hands. Yeah. But I thought, no, tell Tap, he's fine. He'll yeah, do it. He'll that's do. fair. That's fair. Well, listeners, if you are diehard National Treasure fan, there is multiple podcasts about it already. So they, they, yes. do, they do exist. You want to hit up Matt on Twitter. Do you want to hit us all up on Twitter? We are Sequelizers on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all the usual places. You can go to Sequelizers.com where you can find the shop. You can find the archive of all of the previous episodes. The Also, the archive of our live streams. If you want to catch up on those, ready for the Halloween one at the end of this month. Get hyped for that one. Yeah, We've got some plans. And a very exciting guest, which is M from Verbal Diorama, a fantastic podcast in its own right, which I will highly recommend. And link in the show. She notes. reviews the Mummy Returns. She has reviewed the Mummy Returns. She's talked about some of my favorite movies. I talked about Dread, uh, mm. which I also uh, we have done an episode on previously as well. We wanted to do Dread Two and stuff like we that. We did. We did. She's done loads of fantastic episodes that I highly recommend. And yeah, looking forward to working with her and getting her on a live stream and discussing Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, I'm excited. If a future listeners in like a year's time, this is all on YouTube now. Yeah, you can check you, it out. again, go to, go to sequelizers.com. There is a click the live streams button at the top of the page and you'll find a little playlist there with all of the ones we've done so far with the director showdowns and stuff. It's all available on demand for free on YouTube. So even if you're not available to, to join us live, you can still catch up that way as well. Of course, I am JLW Chambers, Jack Lawrence, Wilkes Booth Chambers on all the social medias. Matthew, how can people find you and argue about American history with you on the internet? Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z. You can go to cheesemint.com and see the things I make. You can go to raidrighthand.co.uk and see the things I review. Uh, don't bother with my French pronunciation and American history knowledge. I don't care how much you know, you Ben Gates motherfuckers. Tim, uh, I've heard there is a map on your back that teaches me how to get to your stuff on Twitter. What does it say? Uh, you have to turn me upside down, rotate me just slightly. And then wait for uh, pour lemon juice on you. Pour lemon juice on me, and, and wait for the do a sh- sexy breath on you. Yeah, wait for the shadow of the Empire State Building to line up with my ass crack. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then you'll be able to read trivia underscore lad. 
<laughs> it's like uh, fucking is... Indiana Jones and that bit where the, the beam comes down. Yeah, 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 perfect. And it bounces off Tim's on white arm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's where I am on Twitter. That's where all my nonsense can be found. Nice. Well, thank you very much for listening, everybody. If you are supporting on Patreon, thank you for supporting us on Patreon. It's delightful. Again, links for all that stuff on the website. But until next time, it is something quite different. I know I say this every week. And there is an instance, as we mentioned previously, there is an instance in this season where we'll go from a film that is not that different to another film of a similar genre. <laughs> but this one, yeah, yeah, it is different. Maybe there's some history in there as well. Maybe there's a little little through line, a few French Let's speakers. With this fucking French speakers. Oh, Jesus. Yeah? And maybe, just maybe, the first Patreon pick of the season. It's possible. For those of in the know, you probably have worked it out already. But until then, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. 